Hello, and welcome to How to Win in Court Without a Liar. This is Dave Horowitz, and this is going to... Um, today's show is... Uh, I had nothing set up for today's show, so basically I am on here. If anybody has a topic that they'd like to discuss today, uh, I'm going to stick around on here for a little while and uh, discuss it. Any topics, it's uh, basically open forum tonight. Um Unfortunately, uh, at breakfast this morning, I broke my new phone and smashed the screen, so having a hard time with the, the technology. Oh, we just got somebody on the line. Hey, it's Brian Buster, Brian, Brian Buster. Hey, how's it going? I don't hey, know. We got right. a few people on the. We got a few people. It looks like on the line. Maybe. I, I just came on to David. Hey, Chad. Yeah, I wasn't going to do a show. <laughs> wasn't going to do a show today because I smashed my phone this morning, my brand new phone. Uh, dropped it after breakfast and smashed the screen, so I really couldn't do my uh, my prep for the show today. And uh, I can't find a new screen for it. So the guy I actually bought it from has a second one. So I'm going to end up having to purchase that. But um, unfortunate that. Uh, <laughs> considering I literally just got this two weeks ago. Um, but I figured I didn't want to really cancel the show today, so what I did, uh, I decided just to make it an open forum. Any, you know, we can discuss any topics, and, and uh, hopefully we'll get some participation. And, you know, we were, I was just on the phone with, with, with Brian, and, and uh, we were having a good conversation, uh, <laughs> a bunch of different things, but... Uh, you know, we could open it up and discuss pretty much any topic today. Is uh, nothing's off the table for the most what part. What were you planning? <laughs> what were you planning to talk about? Oh, I, I I I woke up this morning and and literally I had you know no no specific topic that I you know that was coming to mind. Although for the during the week, um, I was kind of leaning toward uh, uh, the topic of. Um, you know, being that we are in, 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 a, in a very interesting time, uh, you know, things going on here with the, with the uh, vaccines and potential for, you know, mandatory vaccinations and things like that, um, kind of being a, a topic more along the lines of prepping, uh, how, how you can, you know, stay safe uh, and, and away from all of those types of things. Um, and defend yourself, um, you know, if, if need be. But, um, you know, uh, whether that be using their rules, if they're even followed. But, uh, you know, I, I was a private investigator for a number of years, and I used to track people down that didn't want to be found. <laughs> Excuse me. So conversely... Uh, I know a thing or two of disappearing and, you know, and, and not being found um, and how to do so. So I was kind of leaning toward, you know, um, plans uh, and, and how you would plan to go about, uh, you know, protecting yourself, your family, being able to uh, sneak out of society, so to say, and, uh, you know, find safety and, and, and uh, you know, in a... In a <laughs> not so populated area or uh you know if you have means 
Uh, it's a good thing to think about now. Um, money drops in other countries, uh, alternate passports, things like that, where you could, uh, you know, practically uh, live abroad um, until that's no longer an option. But um, having multiple passports, I, I was on the phone with my mother earlier, and she's a travel agent, and, and pretty much you can't leave the United States to go pretty much anywhere anymore right now. So she's like, the U.S. passport's kind of worthless. Um, you know, as far as getting out of the country, yeah, you can if, it, if you can get into any other country. But, um, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> like I, I myself, I can go to, a, you know, an Israeli embassy and apply for a passport, a citizenship, a dual citizenship because of my own, my own lineage, my own heritage. Um, but most of us have heritages that are not from here, per se, and you can do that as well, um, being able to uh, apply for um, citizenship. Like, I can apply in Lithuania because my mom's side of the family, uh, France because of my mom's side of the family, uh, Russia or Germany from my dad's side of the family. Not that those are all great places to go, but, you know, um, you know, but when you're thinking about a second passport, like if you were, if you had, uh, let's say, a French passport, you could, you know, get out of this country if you needed to uh, via your French passport as opposed to your American passport or your U.S. passport. <laughs> so that's kind of along the lines of some of the things I was thinking about uh, having a topic for tonight. Um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not big on, on uh, identifications, government identifications. I'm sure if you've been listening at all, you, you're fully aware of that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, being able to um, uh, make documentation, documents that would pass security checkpoints, things like that. Um, not, a, not a horrible skill to have. And just about anybody with a, uh, a laminating machine and a, and a uh, printer can make decent passport or different documents that, that uh, you know, can get you out of a bind, especially in, in a situation where, you know, they're not checking it thoroughly. Uh, because it's busy, you know, and, and you'll see that a lot. Um, but being able to, you know, I don't know how much time we have before, you know, this becomes more of a martial law land, um, more than it already is. Um, but we're definitely heading in that direction. And uh, I was talking to Louie earlier about it, and you, you – Operating out of fear and, and you know, last-minute, you know, situations where you, you've had no prior planning, uh, you're going to be operating out of fear. And, you know, when you do that, you make mistakes. You, you know, it's, it's very hard to think under that kind of pressure if you haven't, you know, uh, at least thought out some of those scenarios ahead of time. You know, it's just like training for, you know, martial arts or, or uh you know, UFC fighting or boxer or something like that, um, you know, 
they, they train so that they have muscle memory and, and they don't, you know, it's, it'll be a reaction if and when a time comes where they need to use their skill. Um, and it's the same, you know, with, with, with just about anything. Uh, you can train yourself to, you know, um, react calm to, you know, and that's what you'll see with a lot of these prepper shows and things like that where there's a um, ongoing training where you, I mean, it's when they go in the military, they do the same exact thing. You know, it's repeti- repetition, repetition, repetition. So uh, it, was fun- it was funny because I was at the gun store yesterday and the um, place was packed, packed. Um, <laughs> it's funny. It was, uh, I was wearing my Guy Fawkes mask uh, backwards. I wasn't wearing it on. Uh, you know, got a lot of very interesting comments, uh, one in Walmart, um, because I wasn't wearing a mask, but I had my, my Guy Fawkes mask on the, you know, like hooked on the back of my hat. So, and this guy and his kids walk by and he goes, he's like, is that your mask? He says, do you really wear that? I says, if I have to, if somebody wants to try and force me to wear a mask, I'll put it on. He's like, that's fantastic. (laughs) But I... I don't, I don't, uh, I don't conform very, very easily. But it was funny because I did get some, uh, some looks and comments as well in the gun store. <laughs> and, My um, wife made me a Zorro mask. There I you go. There mask. you go. The only one I got. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> I, I, Zorro's awesome. That'll work. Or you Lone know? Ranger. What is Lone Ranger? Lone Ranger. Wear? Yeah, same thing. You know, the eye mask, <laughs> just the eyes. <laughs> yep. No doubt, but you know, uh, the store was packed yesterday. The, the gun store, and there was, uh, and the girl was in there. She was buying herself a five-five-six and uh, tiny little thing. And she was all excited about it, and we just got to talking about my mask and why I wasn't wearing a mask. And I said, I said, I, uh, I keep my inhaler in my pocket. And I just tell them, I says, I got a medical exemption, you know, and usually they'll leave it at that. Usually, I, I kind of uh, got ran out of Cabela's, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they were you know they're they're the mask Nazis in there, but but in Missoula, it, it, you know, like where I'm at, thirty miles south of there, different county. Everywhere you go, there's you know unless maybe the grocery store, but you know maybe thirty forty percent of them are wearing masks. Um, but you go into Missoula and in the you know. Uh, probably one of the, you know, we're full of people from California and that, that run the, the city council and things like that. And very, very liberal and very, uh, you know, statist, I should say. Um, and they got the place on lockdown. Everybody's got to wear a mask. You get, I, we went to eat and you, they tell you at the door, you got to wear a mask. And then they say, well, I had a medical exemption and a uh, person I was with, they had one of those, I don't know. It's like, it looks like to me like a neck warmer, but they just pull it up. Um, he had his on, and I didn't. And it was like, you know, I have a medical exemption. And the guy was like, oh, okay. And we walked literally like five steps to the table, and everybody's sitting at tables with no masks. It's got to be the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. I but, just uh, saw a tweet the other day. On, uh, it was like a journalist, a lady. I don't know. She had some clout because, uh, you know, whatever. She had a, a position to say it. She says, walking, putting a mask on to walk 10 feet to my table and then to take off my mask was one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my whole life. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like the virus knows that you're reading, so it's going to take a break. <laughs> it's, no, this is, this, is, uh, this is so obviously the first horse of the apocalypse, and I could talk for a half hour on it. But this is your show. <laughs> well, I, that's another topic, though. I mean, uh, I don't know if anybody's heard, but uh, they're crying peace in the Middle East. Uh, supposedly, uh, Trump negotiated Maybe. some sort of a peace treaty between Israel and the EU, or the United Arab Emirates. Um, you know, and, uh, I, I made a post, uh, you know, from the article, I put up, uh, Daniel nine, uh, I don't remember if it was like Matthew 12 and then revelations 13, which is what we went over last week on the show. Um, you know, when you're looking at peace in the middle East, you're looking at a seven year peace treaty, which will be, you know, halfway through. And and then you add to that that they're rebuilding the you know the Temple of Solomon and you know Solomon's Temple and and all these other things. It's amazing, yeah, interesting times we're living in for sure. Very interesting times. Well, there there's also some I see other evidences uh, have to do with the gematria and the and the calendar and how everything kind of falls into place on all that stuff. That uh, some some have argued, 2017 was was uh, kind of that that inspiration of that what you're talking about. In I mean, who knows? I don't know. But uh, uh, the peace. And then you know, yeah. then you saw. Well, then you saw the, uh, the 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 queen walk behind Trump. I don't know if you ever if if anybody's familiar with that. I remember that. that yeah, I remember that. that. Was the, Surrender. That was the surrender of the crown to this new, you know, this this uh, this beast of the sea, of the earth that has come. You know, um, that yeah. Trump is obviously the head of. And, and uh, no, that's that tend to go. I've already. I think it could be the little beast. It could be. It could be. Who knows? Could be the little beast. I know. But do you, have you seen any articles where they say that like they've got a clone for him and it's not him? He's in hiding. But. Uh, Supposedly, there's going to be an assassination at some time. Yeah. They've had clones on all them people. If sure, but I, I mean, this was just recent articles of talking about him being assassinated. I just thought that was interesting and goes kind of, kind of along with that Revelation 13, you know? All um, right. You know, he'll, he'll see them die, and like... then, you know, next thing you know, he's alive. Yeah, yeah a fatal injury to the head. And... Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Hmm. You know, but again, right. it's interesting times. Definitely we, we, some interesting we know, times. I was just going to say, prophecy is always seen from, from looking backwards, looking back and saying, oh, we just went through that. That's exactly what the Father was saying. It's right. not a linear thing either. It's a cyclical thing in, in the biblical mindset. But. Right, right. Oh, yeah. Yep. But you've got, you know, again, you've got these these people that are making up laws and this is you know this goes to what I you know I talk about all the time you know whose laws are you you know going to follow I mean uh, make up your own if you don't believe in God but you're better off following your own heart and your own mind and your own set of principles that you live by than following the the decrees of 
you know, megalomaniac lunatics that uh, really could care less about us. Um, you know, I mean, if you look at the history of politics, you can, you know, you're going to see that they've lied throughout the entire history of politics. Politicians lie. I mean, it's kind of, if you look up a politician in the, in, in the dictionary, right next to it, it's a liar, you know. Um, so, you know, if you were to go in and, and, and think that all of a sudden now that this, you know, uh, there's a virus out there and it's deadly and, you know, that they're not lying again, that all of a sudden now they think that you're, you know, that your health and safety means something to them? I mean, come on. Uh, when did they ever told us the truth about anything that didn't have an ulterior motive or some hidden agenda that was basically to help uh, them in some way, whether that be, you know, getting money so that they, you know, I mean, you go into office that pays $180,000, $200,000 a year and come out a multimillionaire buying $40 million homes. You know, I mean, uh, it's a, you know, I mean, that's an incentive to be a politician. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a lot of prerequisites. You've got to be a stone-cold liar. You know, you've got to be a megalomaniac. You've got to want to uh, lord over others. Because literally the system is trying to play God over your life. You know, so when you say, you know, uh, when I say that, you know, James 4.12, there's only one lawgiver and one judge, who are you to judge your neighbor? And then you've got all these people going, well, I'm a legislator, I'm a lawmaker, and I'm a judge, I'm a judge, you know. They're frauds. They're frauds. Nobody has a right to make up rules for you or to judge you. They don't have jurisdiction or authority over you um, from the get-go. And when you think about that as, okay, uh, okay, yeah, it's illegitimate. Their authority is illegitimate. It's, now the government becomes nothing more than the mafia with better, uh, you, know, uh, you know, they've got more money. But other than that, there's no difference. They're not legitimate. I mean, if the mafia was doing the same thing, you'd go, oh, this isn't right, you know, this is all strong-arm, you know, uh, tactics to rule over you and get you to pay them and, and, and uh, follow their lead. Well, there's no difference between that and what governments do in the history of governments. <laughs> there isn't. The only difference is, is there's a, you know, an education system that teaches you throughout your entire life that this, this is a legitimate enterprise. The only difference. Maybe the mob should have, you know, started schools. <laughs> for, you know, to legitimize themselves. But, yeah, anyway, again, this is, uh, this, this, uh, this show today, I didn't have any set uh, topic to speak on. I, I literally, I broke my phone up for anybody who's just tuning in, so I, I didn't prep a show for today, but I didn't want to uh, let a week go by, another week go by without a show, so I decided to, to get on here and open up, uh, you know, basically a general forum for any topic that you guys want to discuss today. Uh, happy to answer any questions or discuss any topics. So, uh, please, I don't want to do all the talking. <laughs> Is Robert Michael on here, or does he call in? 
I have no idea if he called in or not. I haven't talked to him in a few months. I know he's busy doing his own thing. Mm. He's busy doing his own thing. He was, uh... what's that? I was just shouting it out. Maybe if he's on the call, he might speak. But, yeah, I haven't heard from him for many months, actually, on your call. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he headed back east, um, and I know he's been busy. I know he's, you know, I know he's doing his own podcasts or, you know, uh, videos and things like that. I see him on, uh, I believe it's Truth and Trust, which is uh, one of his groups, and uh, he's recently been posting quite a bit. And he's been having a lot of success in discharging cases with, uh you know, administrative processes using the uh, birth certificate, which is uh, which is good. It's great to hear. Many times Check. What's that? Powerful option. Turn it into a check. Right. He turns it into a check. He turns the bond into a check. And uh, usually it's for quite a bit more than whatever the fines and fees are. So, it, you know, they kind of go, ooh, money in hand. And, you know, they'll go monetize it and, you know, pay the fine and most likely go out and have a big party afterwards. <laughs> the, uh, I heard from another, uh, another, I'd heard from another teacher who would, who would, uh, who would taught on, uh, <clears throat> Taught on using the birth certificate as a as a money order or as a check. That, as a check, yep. That if if you if you go over, and if they ever give you a refund, that you're not justifiably supposed to keep that, but that you're supposed to return that back to the Department of the Treasury. Well, the other thing is, is that you can you know if you're in an area where you're having a lot of interaction with these you know with these agents from the state. Uh, you can have it kept on file there, and this way you're just discharging against the original amount Bam. as well. It's still in the government's hands, so it's, you know, it's no difference whether it's the, you know, the Treasury Department or the court. It's still the government, and, you know, you have one principal and many agents. So it's still within right. the agents, you know, you're still, you know, uh, within an agent holding that bond or that uh, offset check. Oh, that's why so you, you could go do... over, over and above. Right, right. Because they could always change the amounts and say, oh, you know, we didn't do this, didn't do that. Ah, here's a half a million. Anything else that comes down the road, we'll be happy to, you know, we'll just, we'll just write it's it off on that. It's literally yeah. unlimited. Yeah. Hmm. You know, and... Uh, you know, basically, uh, no, no low prosecute, which is, you know, they, they, they won't prosecute. It's just discharging against whatever, you know, whatever the amount was on that last uh, check that was made out to them. And he's been having good success with it. He's been having real good success with it. So have you heard and about that? What, you know, and that's a good way. It's not a horrible way to deal with them. You know, they're all about the money. It's all about the money to them. That in control. That in control. Yeah, as long as you don't I mean, get that, in line, make a bunch of waves, they'll be happy with Right, you. right. And, again, I mean, that's the same thing. Like, you know, you look at back in Nazi Germany. I mean, heck, you know, you can get through a, you know, you can get through a, 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 
uh, a security point. thing by, you know, handing over a carton of cigarettes, you know, yeah, bottle right, of booze, right. you know, anything <laughs> like that, because they're not, you know, these these are just, you know, order followers. They're not high paid. They're not living in, you know, high on the hog. They're, you know, they're, they're you know, they're, they're just like the average person that's sold out. That's all. Oh, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually what I what I I've got three sitting there. Well, actually, I carry four. I get I carry one in the truck, and then but I do have three that are authenticated or whatever from my birth county certified. Yeah, birth certificates. Certified. No, sure. do you know anything about authenticating it? Because I've I've heard other teachers talking about. <laughs> You got to send it in. Well, for I, can tell, I can tell you what authenticated means, uh, you know, and, and and a certified birth certificate with a raised seal is authenticated, right? Because it's got the so, state seal pressed into it. It's authentic, and that's all an authenticating means is somebody who can say that yes, this is a birth certificate from this state, and it's authentic. It's not a copy. It's not counterfeit. Now, what because about when you guys, when these guys send it in to a brass tack, uh, you know, send it into the Secretary of State for the federal, and then they get the the uh, what is it called, the uh, allonge? You're talking about the um, the, the brass form? the brass stapled. Yeah, the 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 brass stapled. They get. Uh, It'll be a letter. I have a buddy who's got one. He's got his his original. He sent it into uh, this is John Kerry back when he was when he was the, under Obama, and he's got John right. Kerry's wedding signature on this piece of paper along with uh, his original long form birth certificate or his certificate of live birth. And gosh dang it, I'm going to have to ask him again what it is. Basically, he's I've, that. I mean, that's that's his. That's I've his, done that. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So you've had it authenticated by a state representative. Yeah. So, ba- ba- yeah. Yeah. But so ba- basically, I went. I, I got the uh, the certified copy, which I I agree with David. That it is authentic, um, but it, it's just like a triple layer of it. You're the state level. You're certifying that the county um, signature on it is authentic, um, and then at the federal level, they're authenticating that the state signature is um, the real signature uh, approving the county you know type of thing that's that's all and then you win a then you win a prize right yeah (laughs) so but yeah they they put the the yeah yeah there's there's nothing major you know in difference you can you can use either one for your offset uh check right. that you're going to use to discharge charges against you. And you can use it for taxes. I know we talked about this one recently. Um, yeah. Same thing. You I should actually, be able to use that. Yeah. I, I actually just talked to Robert uh, yesterday um, about it and uh, just through text messaging. And um, he, he Yeah. Yep. And good. he was What's that? No, no, good, good, no. Uh, good one to speak it to about it. Yeah, and um, he wasn't real sure it would work. Um, be, 
I don't know if it's because I don't have, you know, a trust all set up for the straw man or, or what, but um, he, he said, you know, he'd, he'd gladly try and help me with it if I want to try it, but I'm just worried I'm, I'm kind of low on time. I probably have, you know, just a few days over a month before they'll actually foreclose on me. And if I put well, that you can, in... They... you can do it in. You can send it in, and it's presentment. It's no different, okay, than a charge at the courthouse or a charge at the clerk's office for, for whatever reason. Um, and, and again, I would say you don't need to have your straw man trust set up because it's for all. If you look at HJR 192, it's all debts, public and private. So on the public side, you can do the same thing as you would on the private um, through the same offset. I mean, what's the difference? The birth certificate's not going to make any difference. Any, there's going to be no difference in the birth certificate itself. No. So you're basically and going to fill it out and endorse it on the back the way that you would, you know, signing over a check. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, David. My concern is more that the county would take it and then foreclose on me in a way. And, well, you know, you need, that to right do your, you need to do your, you know, you need to have copies. You need to, ha and again, you, you know, if it was presented, okay, anything, there is no money, okay? So anything presented as currency, okay, whether those are FRNs or a promissory note, or your birth certificate bond, or uh, you created a bond, right, which is a, which is a trust. <laughs> um, all those things are currency. Any type of negotiable instrument is currency. And if you present it and they don't accept it, well, right, they reject it, it's still discharged because of the presentment itself. You offered to pay them. You used the currency, something that is a negotiable instrument, and they rejected the payment. They didn't want it. So it's discharged. If they accept it, it's discharged. And they can monetize that thing the same way they do with everything else. Um, you know, they monetize a promissory note for a, for a, a loan. So, yeah. and, you know, whether they accept it or they don't, so long as you have good records of what you're sending to them and when, you can definitely bring that before a court and say, hey, I, I made the presentment. I offered the payment in full. They rejected yeah. it. That's payments. That's payments. I, I, I know, and I, like I said, I agree with you, but then if, if they don't do what they're supposed to do and they still keep my birth certificate, then they take my property. Then I have to fight to, to show that I did the presentment and everything like you're saying, and then I have to fight to try and get the property back. Right, right. So you got an option. I mean, you, you do have options. I mean, again, I mean, you can pay it, and that's that's always an option to keep your property. Um, I'm, I'm actually doing this with somebody else over in Pennsylvania right now. We're working on the same thing. Um, and he could have paid the taxes. He never got notice. You know, he was helping his mom. He never got notice of, uh, you know, that there were uh, no bills sent to him. No, no due process, no, no notice until it was too late, you know, and the guy who bought the note, you know, bought the tax deed, uh, came and presented it to him and said, you know, trying to do a quiet title action against him, wants him to give him the deed, <laughs> you know, and 
but even that you have the you have the right of redemption and in just about every state there's a redemption even if it's sold you have the right to redeem it and that you just got to look at the state real estate laws to see how long that is a lot of times it's three years so up to three years after it's sold you can redeem it just bringing in the amount plus interest okay I, I'm not familiar with that in Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota. Look up your real estate redemption laws. Okay. Because I, I know on a like a typical foreclosure, you have after the sale, you have six months. Okay. I'm not sure if it's different for a tax foreclosure or not. but. Yeah, I would look up your state redemption laws under the tax code as well as, you know, just regular redemption any time after a foreclosure of any kind. Okay. But it would be it would be redemption. You know, you look up your state redemption laws. I think in New York it's, uh, I believe it's three years as well. So, but yeah, redemption process, you know, uh, you know, it's tough to do, especially anything is tough to do when you're dealing with a government that is as corrupt as this government. Um, and I don't care which state you're in, they're all corrupt. They're all out to, to, to make money. It's a business. <laughs> it is a business, and it's a for-profit business. That's what they're there for, profit and control. So, you know, depending on the on the level of corruption that you're dealing with in your areas, um, you know, you could do all things right, and they'll still take whatever you have because they think they can. You know, and that's the problem with property in this day and age. Uh, and we spoke a little bit about it last week. If, you're tie- if your property is tied up in equity, you know, if your assets are tied up in equity in a property, it's not liquid. You don't have access to it, and you can't put your house and your property on your back and leave with it. It's the first thing that tyrants come after because it's not movable. They'll send in their military, they'll send it in, and they'll take over properties. You look at Russia, you look at Germany, you look at Cambodia and China and all these places that, uh, you know, uh, they come in and they seize the means of production, all businesses, and all personal property, including cars and other things. But, I mean, again, they would, you know, they could just stop you and say, oh, get out, start walking. Um, and, and it's kind of scary in, in, in this respect that, you know, it hasn't been done here since Korea, um, but Trump opened the door wide for that with this corona thing. With GM and making ventilators, he was forcing them through the, the War Powers Act. So, you know, nothing's off the table with these, with these, with these corrupt idiots. And property is something you can't take with you. So if you're, all of your assets are tied up in equity in the property, now is not a great time to, to own your home outright. <laughs> take the money out and, 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 and you know, use it to, to uh, secure your, your safety. Um, because, you know, it's like job safety. For years, I, I'm from New York, so... IBM had a no layoff policy for years, 
And then they laid off 30,000 people and they were killing themselves. Mm, getting some major feedback. I don't know if that's from me or from somebody else. But, uh, yeah, IBM, they um, they laid off 30,000 people, and people were killing themselves, committing suicide, and they thought they would be secure in their jobs forever. And, you know, a lot of them got contracted back to IBM, private, you know, uh, personal contracts, but they weren't employees. Um, but that wasn't, you know, that wasn't until months or even years after, you know, a lot of people ended up killing themselves. Um, and, and losing everything that they had because of it. There's no security in, in you know, real estate used to be a great uh, option for investment. It's not right now. It's really not right now. Um, good to have it and hold on to it um, as long as you don't have a ton of equity in there. You could still, you know, rentals especially – because it's an income to you, and it, you know, hopefully you have a positive income and, and uh, over and above what you're using to pay the bill, you know, to, to, to cover your expenses for the property, um, and that's a good position to be in. But if all of your equity is in the property, um, that's not necessarily a great position because if the, the house is seized under uh, some sort of War Powers Act, or, or you know, and, and we've already seen it again uh, in the last six months, uh, the door has been open for them. And that's not just the war power thing. There's, you know, there's verbiage in the NDAA, the, the what is it, the National Defense Authorization Act, as well as the Patriot Act, which was just renewed. So, you know, civil asset forfeiture is, is a huge thing in all of those acts of, of uh, you know, that have been passed. And... Uh, Again, if your equity, if, if all of your wealth is, you know, or your savings is in your equity in your home, um, you know, it's, it's all they need. My, my great-grandparents were living in Lithuania, and before the Soviets came in, they owned a vodka factory. Lots of people working for them. Soviets came in. They took over the, the factory. They sent my great-grandfather to Siberia, and my great-grandmother fled to the U.S., and they took everything they worked for. So, you know, and, and they're not, you know, that's, that's not a, uh, it's not uncommon when, when those things happen, when they're, you know, uh, looking for total hegemonic control over everybody and everything. Um, Property is usually the first thing to uh, go because it's accessible to them. You can't hide it in the woods, <laughs> you know. Can't dig a hole and, and, and put your valuables in there and, and, and expect it to be safe because it's, it's just too accessible, you know. Um, when I was in Vegas, I remember the guy who, uh, he was an ex-cop. I can't remember his name, but he was, he was, he was going on a shooting spree. They found him up in Big Bear, um, left a manifesto. I don't remember his name offhand. Um, I, but I anyway. Yeah, just, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago it happened. Yeah. Well, yeah. the street that I lived on in Vegas, he had a house there, like six, eight doors down from me. And I thought we were being invaded. I literally thought we were being invaded. Our whole street was covered in feds, 
ATF, FBI, military guys, everywhere, blocking off every na- the whole neighborhood. And they tore this guy's par- uh, house to shreds. But, you know, they were keeping us in our homes at gunpoint, saying, oh, there's an issue, and it was this guy. Was, they, he, they even knew he wasn't there. They knew he was in Big Bear already. But they locked down the entire neighborhood. Um, you know, military equipment, uh, automatic weapons, they just came in and shut everything down before anybody even knew what was going on. You know, go out to get into your car and you're not allowed out of your house. And it was literally minutes. It didn't take them long to to just roll in and take it all over. So um, if you think it's uh, impossible to happen, um, you're living in a fantasy land. Not only is it possible, but it's happened here. Uh, look at look at uh, Katrina and what happened down there. Okay, martial law situation. They start confiscating the weapons. They start taking over properties, um, you know, and throwing people out of their homes and bringing them to camps. Uh, it can and does happen and will happen even further. Uh, the more, you know, the closer we get to... Uh, you know, forced vaccinations and things that that people are going to be opposed to eventually, Um, you know, that there may be some resistance to. They're going to strong arm it. And it happens in every society throughout history. If there is, you know, if if society's collapsing, the economy's collapsing, one of the things, you know, that they they do, you know, it's no more rule of law, it's rule by force. That have to because people aren't obeying them anymore the way that they demand to be obeyed. So they go to the stick. Not a good place to be. Anyway, I'm going to open it back up. Sorry. <laughs> I get to rambling. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Built in. <laughs> Are there any other topics? We got. Let's, let's give it. New topic here. Talk about your book. About what? Your book. What book? Didn't you write a book? Not me. I've started many, but I've never... uh, (laughs) I haven't completed any. You got me mixed up with a different David Horowitz. Who's this? This is Michael. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing well. Have you read the book that you're talking about? No, I haven't. I I read excerpts from it. What was it about? Uh, Just the political scene and how everything's going to hell in the handbasket. Ah, okay. Yeah, I think, uh, and, and I'm not the only David Horowitz. It's like the Jewish, you know, John Smith. <laughs> uh, there's tons of us out there. Um, Are you any relation to Michael? I have a brother named Michael, but, uh, again, that's another very uh, common name. Um, Michael Horowitz is a very common name. But uh, the the guy who I think you're talking about, because somebody had asked me about this on, on Facebook not too long ago, I'm pretty sure he just passed away, I thought. Really? Yeah, like recently, within the last few weeks. 
Because somebody I, I know, said, oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know what David he's talking about. That at least one of them that wrote a book. He's, um, he's if I remember correctly, he's kind of got a, a gray, uh, you know, smaller beard, beard and yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, he's older than me, probably by at least twenty years. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean. News, right? the, He's yeah he was he was one of the guys that comes on one of the news channels I'm pretty sure he's a, he's a political analyst New York Times writer maybe possibly yeah and it's not his first book he's written other books um, from what I thought though I thought he was uh, you know um, I, I know you know he's very controversial for sure but um, you know again. Me, I'm 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 the uh, political atheist, David Horowitz. It's a big difference between him and I. Um, I understand. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, <laughs> on another on another subject, you opened the uh, call with uh, about being incognito in society and so on. And there's a a guy down down south somewhere who wrote a book a few years ago called The Underground Railroad, and he set out a formula for helping people escape child protective services and so on and all kinds of things and how to set up an underground railroad to to escape that. Have you have you ever thought of that? That's a fantastic idea. And uh, again, these are things that people need to start thinking about, you know? When, when, when things start getting shut down, when they start shutting the borders of cities and, and towns, um, about six years ago, I, I drove around the country in my RV, and I seen it a lot over on the East Coast, coming through Chicago. Um, if you're driving down the highway, every single exit has a, a, um, a barrier that can be moved into the exit and shut down in seconds. And it can, I think it's automatic. You, know, you can push a button and have it lock. Um, you know, so closing down big cities, heavily populated areas is going to be very simple for the government to do. Um, states like Florida, where the only way out is by water or, you know, um, <laughs> through some swamp land. Um, you know, it's going to be very tough. And people really do need to think about how they're going to get out of these places once it's, you know, once they're being locked down, um, well, they see it. I also heard, yes, I also heard that in New Mexico and Arizona, the border patrol had set up EMPs in back roads to to shut down vehicles if they want to shut down the transportation in that area. Have you heard of anything oh, like heard, that? I wouldn't doubt it one bit. I, I've heard the same on the Canadian board. You know, I mean, you put the same on what? On the Canadian board. I'm sorry, the Canadian board. I don't know if you heard me. I did not hear you. Sorry, I was. Say, I said it's also the same on the Canadian border of the U.S. The you know the the. Um, Customs and, and, and uh, you know, those Border Patrol agents, are, you know, they have access to uh, all kinds of technology. Um, 
about two years ago, we had a, a train that went on for at least six miles. Huge, huge freight train, and all that was on there was military equipment, tons, generators and, and uh, Humvees and, and tanks and all kinds of stuff. Um, miles, miles and miles. I sat there for an hour or two just filming it. It was crazy. Um, but they have that technology. They do. So, again, you know, knowing this ahead of time, knowing this now, and being able to think about, you know, how would you get your family out of a, well, uh, out of a heavily populated area that's being shut down by people with technologies like this that are interested in, in you know, controlling your movement? You know, and, and that's where the idea for that Underground Railroad is a great idea. It's a great idea. I moved out to Montana because there's a million people and, and millions and millions and millions of acres of, of, of wilderness. I can be in the middle of the woods and with, I can be in the mountains in three miles in either direction, and I can be 30 miles from the nearest person in, within a day. Very easy for me to do that here. But I've got family all over the country, you know, that, that uh, I wouldn't want stuck where they're at. And I know half of them, most of them aren't thinking about any of this. You know, being the black sheep, they only call me for legal advice. But, <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, when I talk about these things, I get, you know, a couple of them are coming along and, they, you know, I've been talking to them for years and years. Um, you know, and they're starting to see that, you know, things may be a lot crazier than they thought of. But, uh Unfortunately, they still trust this government to, you know, to be benevolent and, and, and uh, you know, uh, for the people, you know, instead of for themselves. And, um, you know, unfortunately, that's a veil that uh, is a very dangerous belief. It's a very dangerous belief. Millions and millions and millions of people have died believing their government wouldn't harm them. And that's not just here. That's all over the world. That's the history of governments. You know, and it's a, why would this one be different? Why would it be different? I mean, uh, and I look at it this way, very simply. If you, wouldn't, if you wouldn't allow one of these politicians to come and babysit your children, then why would you allow them to make up rules for you and control your, your, your commerce? you know, your way of being able to make a living or put food on your table. Look what they've done in the last six months with the, with the masks. I've literally, you know, I, I got escorted out of Cabela's the other day because I wouldn't wear a mask. And I told them, I says, I have a medical, I mean, did you read the governor's mandate? I got, it on, I got a copy of it on my phone. Not that I care, but just to say, hey, you need to follow your own rules. You know? And they still don't listen. They, oh, no, no, no. The sign says everybody's got to have a mask. Well, that's like saying everybody is subject to the statutes and codes that are out there. It's not the truth. It's absolutely not the truth. But, you know, when, you, when your media tells you, you know, they got little snippets. They're not telling you the whole story. They didn't put out the, you know, all these governor's directives the whole directive, you got to actually go looking for it. Not hard to find. 
I mean, I found, uh, you know, you go to the governor's website on, in any state, and you pull up their, their COVID directive. And I guarantee you there's a list of exemptions in every state. Every single state, there's, there's exemptions to their demands. But people don't look at that. They look at the sign on the door that says everybody's got to have a mask as per the governor. Say, David, I, uh, I, I looked up Connecticut's order uh, this weekend for somebody that was looking for a little bit of help. And first thing I noticed was the title of it, you know, something his excellent excellency governor, whatever. But I'm like, you know, how much more of a royal title can you give yourself? Right. <laughs> his excellency, the honorable yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, if they didn't put it in the title, they'd ne- nobody would ever believe it anyway. No. Right? <laughs> yeah, the honorable officer this, you know, who goes home and beats his wife and children. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they're real honorable. They're real righteous. They're, they're excellency. No, they expect you to bow down and kiss their feet when they walk in the room because they're playing God over you and they think that they are God over you. They're megalomaniacs. They want power. You know, why else would you run for office? The money's no good. On the backside it is. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, taking bribes and doing that, but they, you know, that's their paycheck, Right. That's funny when I hear people going, all these Trump people going, oh, well, he donates his, his salary. Big deal. Big deal. Donates a salary. Okay, so he, he donates, what, $10,000 a month or whatever that they give him? $15,000, $20,000 a month? He just doesn't take a, a salary? He doesn't need it. How many, how many business deals has he closed because he's been the president? All over the world through all of the shell corporations and trusts. Yeah, How many him, him, giving away, him giving away that $400,000 is like me spending 20 bucks at McDonald's. Exactly. Exactly. It's worthless. It's all for the media, you know, spotlight for, to make him sound like he's this righteous guy. How many companies has he bankrupt and, and put thousands and thousands of people out of work or screwed thousands of people out of their pay uh, on union jobs? Because I was one of those back in the 80s under, you know, uh, working at Trump Towers. We got 10 cents on the dollar on our contract after we worked for months and months putting together his palace. <laughs> So he's not a righteous guy. None of them are, though. I mean, who, who wants to go and rule over your neighbor? You have to be a megalomaniac to want to do something like that. I had this conversation with my mom today, and she said, uh, oh, what was it? That, um, oh, what the heck was it? Uh, complete brain fart. Just uh, give me one second, and I will think about it. Um, but, yeah, we were having this conversation about um, – Oh, come on. Well, I'll have to come back to it because it literally just, it, it was on the tip of my tongue and then disappeared. Happens a lot as you get older. 
Um, <laughs> so anyway, but again, it's 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 them wanting to be in positions of power for the benefits that they get from it. Right? They get the they get the high seats at the table. Um, you know, this, these are the things that they covet. Power. It's not money. They're printing it in the back room. It's the control. It's the power over others. And uh, none of us were, you know, ever to, do that, to be that over our neighbor, you know, to lord it over our neighbor, to covet our neighbor's stuff. You know, we weren't supposed to be in that position uh, over anybody. Our children, maybe. And that's only for a short time. Only for a short time. But most people don't know, uh, you know, most people don't know that they're slaves. And uh, no matter how much you tell them that, uh, you know, this is not good, this is not good. Look at history. Just read a couple history books that weren't written by them, you know. Uh, and, and you'll see that this is, you know, uh, here's a good word, search. Look up democide. D-E-M-O-C-I-D-E, democide. And it is murder of a populace by their own government. And it's been, I mean, the last time they, they did the numbers, which was years ago, it was over 200 million governments that have murdered the, over 200 million of their own people. You know, you're talking about your Maos and your Hitlers and your you know, Stalins and these types of folks. But, you know, you go back through history. They were doing it in, in you know, in Rome. You know, the Romans did it in the Colosseum. They were feeding them to the lions for entertainment. Well, you know, now they're ready to go and, and uh, take a vac. you know, force a vaccine that's not even been in production or even being uh, created not even six months now, when usually it's 10 to 20 years before they're even ready for human trials. And they don't care how many people die from it because they've already exempted the companies that are making them from, from any responsibility over it. That may as well be feeding those folks to the lions. Anybody that has to take it or they forced to take it, you're basically human testing. You're a bunch of lab rats. And, and you're going to have these mask wearers going out there and lining up in droves to go and get that done without even thinking about it because the TV told them. Sad, very sad state of affairs that we're in now. Anyway, any new topics, any other topics? Michael, thank you for sharing and, and participating. That's what this show is all about today. Um, so any other uh, questions or comments or topics that, you know, to discuss. Um, I, I really do think that uh, an underground railroad, uh, you know, most people know that term uh, from the days of the slaves, um, you know, and, and setting up checkpoints where, you know, you, you can get your family from one side of the country to the other to be safe with you, and you know, um, having relationships with people that you actually trust to do so, you know? And again, it's, 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 I've, had, I've had a lot of folks on the show that have said, you know, 
I want to set up a trust, but I don't know who I could set up as a trustee because I don't trust anybody. <laughs> and it's hard. It really is. It's you know, I mean, when you think about it, your family. Or, the gentleman that set up that Underground Railroad from the South that wrote the book had quite an extensive system going, and then one of the people in the system uh, ratted everybody out, and the feds came in and shut everything down and put put, put the guy in jail. Oh, wow. But see, I mean, so it was have, nothing. he wasn't to, trying so to do anything to be, bad. So you have to be careful who you trust. Well, that's that's what it really comes down to, and, and we talk a lot about that on the show, uh, living in trust, surrounding yourself with a small group of people that you trust, you know, uh, and vetting them, vetting them out. I mean, again, you, you can't build trust, and trust has to be exercised. So, you know, to those who are trusted with a little will be entrusted with a lot, you know, and, and, and that's, a, that's a, a principle within itself. You know, if, if you know, you may say, "Oh, you know what? I trust my kid to, you know, do his homework without having to be asked too many times." Um, but you don't necessarily trust them to take your car out and bring it home by ten o'clock, full of gas and without any any scratches on it. You know, that takes time to build that trust. You know. But you got to exercise it, and eventually you got to say, "Yep, here's the keys. Bring it back the same way you found it, with a full tank of gas, and be home at this time." And and trust can be built upon. We're getting to the time where you know you better hope to have those trust relationships in place. You know where you know father's going to turn on son, son's going to turn on father, mother against daughter, and and you know and and they're thinking they're doing something good. Look at Germany. You know, Hitler's youth. They were turning their own parents in for talking against Hitler, you know. Next thing you know, you got the SS showing up at your door and carting your, you know, carting your parents off. It's a scary thought. You know, but that's uh, a big part of that's teaching your children at home, which is another reason they're pushing to have uh, the schools open back up. This was another thing Louie and I were talking about earlier. Um, they're, you know, they're talking about having kids go back to school, but they're going to be temperature tested and go through these, you know, these, these scanners that test their temperature and stuff, uh, mandatory masks and all that. But if you come out and, you know, if they test you and, you, you know, they say you have it or your child has it, they can quarantine them on the spot away from you, and you will have no contact with your child. That's what they're looking to do. That separation from, of kids from their parents. And then how do you check on them? When you can't even go into a hospital and some, you know, something happens to a family member, right? And that's been going on for six months now. You can't go in and visit them in the hospital. You can, you know, if you're lucky, you can talk to them on the phone if you're lucky, you know, but you don't know what they're doing to them behind those doors. And you're not allowed to go see. Well, if they did that to my kids, I, I, I don't know what I would even think of doing at that point. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just, uh, I would say, you know, I know my, my, my son and, and uh, 
his wife, they're not, you know, they're, they're talking about not sending their kids back to school because of this. You'd be a fool um, to send your children to them. Oh, absolutely. I think you're a fool to send them anyway, even in the best of right. times, because I it's agree. nothing more than, you know, you know, an indoctrination center. But it's the temple, way more so. The temple, it's their religion. Of course. That's exactly it. That's 12 years of training in their religion, the statism religion. That's exactly what it is, which is why everybody's so, you know, brainwashed now. Oh, rah, 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 wave the flag and, you know, worship politicians as the gods of government. This is how it is. You know, bow down and pay your taxes this evening. And, and uh, we're taught our whole lives to do this and not question it. So what's going to make you think that you're going to send your kids and they're going to be safe in these schools with this COVID virus, and all they got to do is say, oh, uh, and, I, and I just read an article the other day. There was like 128 students in Georgia or something that, uh, that got quarantined, okay. students and teachers, like the first week back to school. Now they're all in quarantine. I don't know if that's a two-week quarantine or what, because you only get, you know, maybe a sound bite, but, you know, they don't give you the, the details of what's going on. But, I mean, that, to me, is uh, sketchy at best, you know? One of the, you know, because in the South, they go back earlier because it's still cool. I know my kids, we lived in Florida, and they started school earlier. But, yeah, why would you send your children back to a school where, you know, where they're gone from you and you have no control and no say? You know, I mean, you look at these false flag, you know, school shootings. They lock that place down, won't tell you anything about your child and nothing. Think about that with, a, with a, an invisible enemy, a virus, you know. And all these quarantine rules that they've put in place to be able to say, nope, nope, we're going to, we're quarantining your children. Where? Well, we can't tell you where. That's, uh, you know, security reasons. Well, that's all they'll have to say. And there go your children. You won't hear from them for weeks if you hear from them again. And that's all it takes. I mean, that's a scary position to be in. I wouldn't send my children to a public school, any school at this point. And they're also going to be mandating the vaccines to let these kids back in, supposedly. So they're going to give them the virus and then quarantine them. Because that's what the vaccine is. It's the virus. It's the virus. <laughs> so scary but interesting times that we're living in, for sure. For sure. So you said, uh, Mike, that, uh, that that guy is in jail right now? From that, uh, from the underground railroad. Michael, you still on there? Nope. Might have hopped off. That's that's yeah. what he said. He, he did say that. Huh? That they they put that guy that wrote that book in jail. Wow. That's, I mean, it's not surprising anybody who, you know, they would consider a dissenter, you know, uh, going against the grain and helping others to do so, um, you know, 
you become a target. I've been a target. Um, it's not a fun place to be in, but I'll guarantee you there's no lack of excitement. <laughs> um, fortunately, I... Uh, yeah, I, I was peaceful when I know that's okay. I was peaceful when they came to me and they kept going, stop resisting, stop resisting. And I found out later on that they had a uh, shoot to kill order if I resisted. This is local here where I'm at, tiny town. That's and uh, yeah, so the guy kept going, stop resisting, stop resisting. I said, dude, if I was resisting, and I was, and it was being filmed. As if I was resisting, you'd be on the ground, and, and I'd be walking away. You know? I'm not resisting. You almost have to tell it out loud, so I hope somebody's filming it. You know? But, yeah, I found out later on that they had a shoot-to-kill order if I resisted. That's local government. Local government. And I've had, you know, I've been dealing with these folks for about seven years. I think they don't Somebody mind people one at a time getting out of the system or, or beating them at their game. What they really seem to have problem with is people that teach other people. Right. No, it's true. It's true. That's why I, I can tell you right now, if I get pulled over in Missoula County, they will tell them, leave them alone. We don't want them in our court. We don't want them in our jail. Just leave them alone, yeah. you know, because, I, you know, if they arrest me, I'm going to go in and start teaching at the jail if, if I decide to book in, which most of the time I won't, you know. Um, but I beat them in court every single time. And, and it's, you know, hard for them to claim. You know, they make these claims, and then I force them to prove them. I question their authority. And that's okay for now. That's okay for now when there's some semblance of, uh, you know, a court system there to use. But even that, they're shutting them down around the country. They're shutting down post offices now they're talking about, right? And they're saying, oh, it's because of the vote. No, because a lot of people who aren't going and wearing masks can't even go into a store to get stuff. So they're ordering stuff online and having it delivered. Well, if they can shut down the post office, that puts a lot of strain on the small private companies that are out there doing it. Your UPSs and your FedExs, you know? Yeah. Well, it's plenty of work for them. Sure. Sure, there's tons of work right now for them. Tons of work. I'm ordering, I mean, I know, I don't know about you, I'm ordering more stuff offline than I ever did in my life. Oh, I, I, I pretty much never have. I, I did get a neighbor to order a, a tire from Walmart for me because the local store wouldn't even get it in. But, no, normally I go to the store and pay cash. Me too. Me too. It's funny because I don't have an address on the grid. I actually, if I need something sent to me, I send it to a friend or a family member, and then I'll go get it from them. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I have, I have no physical address, so nowhere to ship it to. 
So I, you know, I have a, you know, good luck tracking me. <laughs> you know, unless you know right where I'm at, good luck. But um, yeah, I kind of, I do similar. I get my, uh, I don't get much mail anyway, but I get it at general delivery. Right there, you go, or Dropbox somewhere, UPS yeah. store or something like that that has a physical address. You know, and open it in a company name. Don't even don't even use your own name. You know, these are things you got to start thinking about. And how you're going to get things sent, correspondence. You know, um, <laughs> years ago it was you know drop boxes or drop stuff, drop sites where you know. You know, you're going to communicate. They drop a letter here, and, you know, and it's only known by the two people, the one that's, you know, dropping it and the one that's picking it up, nobody else, you know, for security, for their own security. And we've got to start thinking more along those lines if you're going to uh, disappear within society, you know. We're supposed to be in the world, just not of it. Right. Could could you talk a little bit about um uh I know you've talked quite a bit about bonds but uh supposedly there's three bonds with every little court case uh bid bond performance bond and a payment bond right and okay well, so if you if you pay the cash or your friends pay the cash to get you out of jail, which one which bond, which one of those is that? Or is that a totally that's separate a, one? That's a, sure, that's a separate one. That's a surety bond. It's, it's, it's to ensure that you'll come back for the other hearings and stuff like that. Okay. The, the bonds that you're talking about are bonds that are paid to the police for picking you up in the first place, the jail for housing you in the court for dealing with the, you know, with the case itself. Okay. Okay. And it's they making money and it all bases upon your social. If you've ever been arrested and you go in to be booked, one of the first things they do is they put a UCC lien against your person. And those are, and it's for those bonds. And if you lose your case, those get paid out. It's like an insurance policy, and they win all okay. the time. That's why, right. you know, 90-plus percent of the people that go to court lose. Um, very oh, yeah. few well, cases they, you come home in. Yeah. They, they uh, either, either by pressure or by making it sound like you'll get a better deal, you know, they, they yeah, they talk about well, their high win rate. But, out, yeah, if you plea, yeah, not, and they love plea deals. <laughs> they yeah. love a plea deal because the bond, is a, the bond is a bond. They don't care if they get you for jaywalking or murder. They're getting paid. Right. They're getting right. paid. And it's incentivizing the whole process, just like they incentivize the hospitals to say that, you know, the person died from COVID or they had to use a ventilator and they get you know, either twelve or thirteen grand if they say it was COVID, and thirty something thousand if they put on a ventilator, and they die. <laughs> you know, so everybody well, that comes in from a car accident to a you know a, you know a, a bear attack died of COVID because they're paying them right. to say so. Right, right. Well, it's the, the same guy thing with the, the court. 
Yeah. Yeah, and, well, uh, tomorrow I've got to go in and give them 85 bucks uh, fine and costs, uh, but they won't give me my 500 bucks back for another month. Oh, from your bond? Correct. <laughs> yeah, of course, because they're going to make more money on the interest on that bond. Well, I'm going to ask them for the interest. I, this case has been going for it's a traffic case. It's been going over a year, and it's like, well, you know, I've been out that money all this time. You know, I think I should get the interest, but I don't. Yeah, and anyway. again, you can ask in one hand, and you know, right. see what happens. Right. I mean, they're you know they're corrupt. So what what can you expect from corrupt people? Well, you know? I don't expect much, but I want to. I want to say something about something. I just, anyway, that's, uh, no, you know what? It's worth it to, it's worth it to ask the questions. It's worth it to ask always. I question their authority on everything. So when you're asking them, Hey, what about the money you owe me that you took from me? Uh, I need that back plus interest. But how did they find you and, and, and uh, court fees? What did, did they finally rule oh, against I, I, you? No, I, I, pl- I took the deal. This has been going on for over a year. And uh, early on, I was all fired up, and I wanted a trial, and I had a lot of things to say. But uh, over the course of a year, I kind of got worn down, and I've been to trial on, on this same issue before, and... I know how it goes. You got railroaded. Uh, yeah, I've only beaten them once. They've beaten me a couple of times. Um, you know, I had some. I had some good material. Uh, the cop. I didn't find out till after after that that the cop didn't have an oath. Um, <laughs> the clerk of the court doesn't have an oath. The judge I was front of, in front of did have a proper oath in a proper location. So I, I'm thinking there's no reason, especially if this officer wasn't even a lawful officer, that I can't sue him, like at least in small claims, and get a little bit of money back. Well, when you go in there, when you go in there and you try to use their constitution, and I say it's their constitution because it is, uh, that's for trustees only, state agents that are public trustees. Uh, that is not for you. Um, you're above the Constitution, okay? Just like, you know, supposedly it was created by the people for the people, blah, blah, blah. Yes, they put these public trustees in place for their own benefit, but they made up the rules supposedly, right? Which you would in a normal trust, in a private trust, you make up your trust indenture and you indenture any trustee to follow the rules that you set forth in the trust. Well, that's what they supposedly did, and they set up this public trust. So these are trustees that are acting in breach of trust and under fraud. Um, you know, they have everybody believing that they, they, they have constitutional rights. Your rights don't come from the Constitution. They're inherent. You're born with them. They can't be taken from you, okay? Right. They're yours because you're here. They have those rules. The Constitution is supposed to pertain to them, and those are rules to keep them doing what they were supposed to, and it, and it was unable to do that because of all the corruption that it's 
been from the beginning. It was designed that way. But when you go into court and you're using UCC, you're looking for a commercial remedy, okay, you're still using their stuff. They created it. They have authority over it. It's arbitrary. It changes anytime they want it to. Anytime they want it to, they can change it. So anything that's arbitrary is not true law because it can be changed. A law is a law. It doesn't change. Thou shalt not murder. Well, why did they have to rewrite it in their statutes? It was good the way it was written originally. Right. Well, now right. that's kind of like creating GMO foods, you know? They've created GMO laws so that they have control over them. So when I hear people going into court with, you know, their GMO UCC codes or the Constitution or the federal statutes or the state statutes, you're dealing with them. Now, it's fine to hold them accountable to their own rules, right? We're adults. Well, I yeah, can't make up those rules. Right, and that, that's, that was my point. By their, by their rules, by the Colorado Constitution and the statutes, you know, they're required to, to have these, uh, they're required to have an oath, they're required to have a bond, et cetera, et cetera. So that's their sure. rules for them. Right. So, yeah, I don't... And, uh, and to hold them accountable to their own stuff, I mean, that's like saying, you know what, that's like asking the mob, not to bother you on on Sunday, okay? Yeah. Because they're they're Catholics, right? Right. <laughs> you know. Well, well, we'll see. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. And they do what they want. Well, it's the same thing there. You know, it's the same thing there. They're going to do what they want. If they want your house, they're going to take your house. I had a client three years ago that had a house in probate. He was the executor of his sister's will. The house had been in his family and paid off for 30 years. They stole it for $4,000, what started out as $4,000 in taxes. And they stole a $150,000 house because they said they, that, that the family owed money. But they even did it where they bypassed probate. And they knew it because they had the county uh, executor try and go in and have him removed as the executor because they wanted the property. They wanted the property, that whole neighborhood they were taking over. They were going to put a new jail there. And they took his property. Even the feds yeah. wouldn't touch it. Nobody would touch it. And they do it all over the country. So, again, when I go in, I don't use their rules. I don't use their laws. I bring my Bible and a birth certificate. And that birth certificate is just to show that I have a beneficial interest in what's going on. That's it. And then I question everything, everything. By what authority are you uh, bringing these charges? What makes you think that I'm a party to, you know, uh, to your political uh, society? Where's the contract? I said I wouldn't do what, what you're saying I did. <laughs> yeah. Show me your social contract that you claim exists. Or that I'm one of your parishioners. Right. Yeah, exactly. Am I one of your status parishioners? Please, show me the contract. Show me where I signed up for this. 
you know? Are you my mom or my dad? And am I a 12-year-old or am I uh, an, an adult man that has, you know, that can make up his own decisions and, and, and manage his own affairs? I love this one. Who are you to me? Are you, you know, and the judge will make that claim every time. You ask the judge, who do you think you are to me? And they'll turn around and go, I'm your judge, almost guaranteed, because they're so cocky about it. They want to be your judge. They live for that. They're very narcissistic. They are very, uh, megal- they're very much megalomaniacs. They have, they crave power over everybody that stands before them. They smack their gavel just like they're God over you. So when you ask them, who do you think you are to me? They're going to go, I'm your judge. Well, fantastic. Well, James 4.12 says that there's only one lawgiver and one judge. Who are you to judge your neighbor? Can you prove your claim now? Turn my coffee into wine. Walk on water. Do something that proves that you are my judge. Oh, well, your representatives made up these rules for you. Oh, I have representatives? Please bring them here, and I want to see their power of attorney. Because if they don't have it, I want them arrested for fraud, for claiming to be my representative. That's a simple one. (laughs) If you're going to claim that there's a representative, somebody out there representing me that I don't know about, please bring them before the court because they've committed a fraud on this court. I want them brought here right now, and if they can't produce a, a wedding signature with my name on it on a power of attorney, I want them arrested and charged. I had a lawyer, a judge who had to be in her mid to late uh, 70s, probably on the bench over 30 years, who said that to me, said that, uh, you know, well, your representatives, and I told her exactly that. I said, what representatives are those? Are you claiming that somebody out there represents me that I don't know about? I want them brought here immediately and charged or produce the proof that they're my representative. She said, case dismissed and let me go. Right there on the spot. And that was in a district court. That wasn't in some traffic court. So they know. They know. They know they have no authority. They're teaching lawyers that there's some social contract out there that binds us to the law, their laws. And like you said, they're, you know, they think you're one of their parishioners of the religion of statism. That's exactly what they think. So, good stuff, Michael, good stuff. (laughs) But, yeah, as far as the bonds go, again, I mean, a lot of folks come into this going, you know, it's the money thing. You know, oh, the money's fake, or, you know, there's some secret account out there that, uh, you know, that, um, you know, we have access to or can get access to, and, you know. <laughs> I was doing A for V in the late 80s, acceptance for value and, and, you know, discharging debts. And it was much easier back then than it is now because now it's so corrupt, you know. They're doing the, it, the law hasn't changed. HJR 192 has not changed. It's the same as it was when it was written. The only difference is, is that so many more people have heard about it and have tried to exercise it and are now, you know, they're, they're afraid that if it gets out that you can, you know, just sign your name and discharge your debt, then nobody's going to go to work tomorrow. 
you know, you're going to be sitting at the poolside, you know, signing your name for everything. And then they have no control anymore. Because that's what they use to control people is, is so-called money, currency. So, and, and, and now they, they, they uh, you know, they frown on, on allowing it to happen. But they still do. Again, like you said, one here, one there. But start teaching it and you, you make yourself a mark. Somebody was going to say something. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to ask, so you did have success with A4V in, like, the 80s and 90s? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, yep. good. No, and I, I studied that stuff 30 years ago. It was, you know, um, and, again, that was one of the first things that started opening my eyes to a lot of the stuff that I've studied over the last 30 years. But, you know, we all look at the money side because that affects us directly every day. You know, right. if you can just print it in the back room and you can just sign a promissory note and say, hey, when when money becomes available again, we'll square up, you know? Well, that on that, on that, on that note, on that note, um, because um, one of the guys on, uh, in fact, the call that's coming up, the veterans call, and this guy, he's an organic farmer in his 80s, and he, uh, he's over in Michigan. And the, they they keep talking about Nasara and this older yeah, guy. Nasara and Gisara, you know, yeah. Asked asked, well, what the, what is that? You know, and I've been hearing about it. So I I did a little reading on it recently, and um, it's interesting, but I can't yeah. even get a straight story so far. Supposedly it passed. Supposedly it didn't. Um, when it when it'll be implemented, if ever, et cetera, et cetera. It just just seems like a Chad. Do you know the date on that, or Brian? Do you know the date on that? I heard it was. I'm sorry. Back. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, the little bit I saw so far, and I haven't I haven't gotten very far into it yet, was uh, was supposedly. Passed back during Clinton. I was. Are we talking I was about Nassara and Gasara, yeah. Yeah, Gasara. I'm not completely confident about when it passed through the UN. I think it was in the late 90s. Nassara. The legend has it that Bill Clinton did not want to sign it, and that he was held at gunpoint forced to sign it. Oh. Okay, so and that was I, I would know. during his reign. <laughs> I, I was thinking it was like 93 or something when it happened. No, that was 99. <laughs> that was like 99. Clinton was still, uh, yeah, this was 99 as I understand it. Okay. Well, either way, basically it is just like what the Bible talks about, Jubilee. Uh, the, 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 you know, a forgiveness of debts, the freeing of the slaves, the, you know, um, all indentures were, were nullified at that point and all debts forgiven and it was a reset. You know, the great, a great reset, all debts are forgiven. And 
you know what? It's, to me, the only way that you're going to get a digital currency going worldwide is to reset everything back to zero. And now, you know, we'll reset and forgive your loans if you do this. There's always going to be a hitch. There's always going to be a catch to it so that they are consistently in power and in control. So, and that it's your free will. Right, exactly. Of your friend, you do it of your free will. You say, "Yep, I'll do it." You're going to forgive all my debts and and set me back to zero. Yep, I'll go and take that mark. You know, incentivizing it, and that's exactly how they'll do it. Um, you know, they're, they're, they do it all the time. I mean, you know, uh, it's funny. Have you ever seen the movie um, Day After Tomorrow, where you know the, the, the uh, ice age happens? Um, you know, and then people are trying to flee from America into Mexico. And they wouldn't open the gates until America, decide, you know, said that they would forgive all of Mexico's debt. You know, they wouldn't let anybody into Mexico unless they, unless they wiped out all of Mexico's debt. So they have to incentivize it, you know, for people to accept it. Oh, yeah, you know, okay, so not just forgiveness, but we're going to add you $50,000 in credits if you accept this, uh, you know, one world money system, this electronic money system. You know, incentivize it, just like they incentivized COVID to the, to the hospitals, you know, or, or the stealing of kids from CPS. This is all incentivized. Uh, arresting and, and charging people for, for victimless crimes and keeping them in prison at seventy to $100,000 or more a year. You know, they incentivize these things. And then you wonder why crime rates go up. Well, because the, the guy in jail needs to have bodies in there in order to collect. And his politician buddies are getting kickbacks, so of course they're going to do it. You know, how is it that 98% of the people that go into a courtroom uh, being charged by the state for something are losing their cases? Are 98% of the people that go to court guilty? That's what it looks like. You know, or they'll plea you down, right? You took a plea, right, Michael? You say you took a plea. And by doing that, you basically are confessing to have committed something of a lesser offense to the government, right? Yeah, failure to yield, right? Something like that. You didn't wear your seatbelt. Right? Oh, yeah. Mine was was allowing an unauthorized driver. (laughs) Really? Really? yeah, but that that what you're talking about, that um you know, the concept that the Christians preach original sin, that goes to like, well, you, you got to be guilty of something. Well, how 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 is uh you know, perjury under oath? Because you turned around and said that you Right? You had to confess that you allowed an unauthorized user to use your property or to use the car. So you had to lie and perjure yourself under oath 
to make your deal, right? Right. They're saying that you're cheating, right? And you may or may have not been guilty of doing that, but they had to prove that. When you say, no, I'll I'll plead, I'll I'll perjure myself, and, and, and I will confess to, you know, uh, failure to stop or authorizing, you know, unauthorized user or something like that, you're lying. You're perjuring yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, and, and well, I get that part. Why would they ask you to do that if, you didn't have, if they didn't have a, you know, if they had no case to begin with, it's the only reason why they'd will, be willing to offer a deal. Well, and yes, in the absolute, they didn't have a case, but like I say, I've been to it before, um, and and that would have been that would have been before, you know, because I know you supposedly you can't appeal a jury uh, conviction, but so I was going to get all my objections in before the jury was even sat, and the first uh, one of the early ones that was going to be in there was because um, I already asked them. I said, "Where where do you get your jury pool?" And they said, uh, registered voters and licensed drivers. And I said, well, I'm, I'm neither of those. So I object to your whole jury pool. I don't see how I can get an impartial jury from the, uh, the jurors, the potential. And I would have objected to every, every juror that said they were a uh, registered voter and a licensed driver. And so I would have gotten all those objections in and I would have been able to move my case farther up the courts. But, uh, right, but by doing that, by doing that, you're, you're already arguing before the court. So you're already giving exactly. them jurisdiction. When all you needed to do was question and question and question their jurisdiction. No, no, I know that. I'll give you a simple example though. I'll give you a simple example in the private. Right, if your car is private and it's held in private trust, right? Your vehicle is the subject matter of a private trust, okay? So the trustee of that trust has subject matter jurisdiction, the public court does not. They don't hold legal title. The state does not hold legal title to that property. Okay? So when I go in and challenge subject matter jurisdiction over something that is mine, I say, I'm here, I'm the trustee for the property, I am the one with subject matter jurisdiction. I have subject matter jurisdiction. Who is acting as if they're a trustee in this private trust over this res, over the, over the subject matter that's being discussed here today? I hold legal title. I am the trustee over that, over that subject matter that's being discussed. Where did you get your authority? Because unless you have subject matter jurisdiction, unless you have the legal title to the property, you do not have subject matter jurisdiction. So when, like you, go and, when you go private, you go and you notify the, the DMV of whatever properties are still yours. So if you have a vehicle that's registered or has been registered in the DMV, you notify them that this is now... Uh, subject matter of a private trust and no longer going to be the subject matter of the public trust managed through the DMV. And you need to relinquish legal title to the 
subject matter, to the property, and you collapse that trust. Now you hold subject matter jurisdiction as the trustee over that property, and if they try to, to make up rules or anything for that property, you can easily challenge their subject matter jurisdiction, and it can be challenged anytime, during or after the case. I really, I really appreciate you for the way you explain this stuff, Dave. Well, I try to make it easy. I do try to make it easy. And thank you, by the way. <laughs> thank you. No, I just, I do try to make it easy, but it is a simple thing. It's just we've only been taught one side of that coin, and it's always public, right? We were taught in public schools. We were taught and we were indoctrinated into this long before, you know, uh, we're exposed to the opposite side of the coin, the private side of the coin. And literally, if you understand what trust is, you've got a grantor, you've got a trustee, and you've got beneficiaries. There's three parties. Well, in the public, they're the trustee. They're supposed to have a fiduciary responsibility. But they pass a law that says the beneficial user has to have insurance, indemnifying them as a trustee. So the first thing they do as a lawmaker is indemnify themselves, right? They push a law that says you have to have insurance on that property, on the trust property. Well, that just indemnified them of any financial uh, fiduciary responsibility over that property. Now, if I go in and if my beneficial time to the property, right, my and I say, I'm the, I'm the beneficial title holder. I'm the equitable title holder. Uh, you're the public trustee. You have a fiduciary responsibility. If I choose not to have uh, insurance, so if I had an accident and, and they were the trustee, the responsible party, the trustee, which is why they force wow. insurance on the user to indemnify themselves for any loss. <laughs> well, well, that's wonderful, except that that shirks their duty as a trustee. So it's already corrupt. There's already a fraud being committed there. There's already a breach of trust. And you were the grantor when you went in and applied for the license and the registration, and you registered right. your property into the public trust. But... You know, we were told our whole lives, that's the whole idea. You have to do this. Well, no, you don't. There's another side of the coin. You do not have to do that. You, have you can manage to. your own affairs. <laughs> What's that? You have to. I do? That's a, Who said? That's how we Who do said? it. It's policy. Don't ask me to no. explain it to you. It's policy. Whose policy? Right, right. See, I don't, I, I'll ask questions all day long. I'm not going to argue. I will ask questions, and I will expect you to answer them. And if you ask me a question, I'm going to answer you with a question. And, and, I, and I'm so used to just doing that. You know, I don't want to argue. I'm not here to argue. They'll say that to you all the time. I'm not going to argue this on the side of the road. Take it up with the judge. Listen, I'm not arguing. I'm asking you questions, and you damn well better answer before you steal my property or try to kidnap me. You don't have any jurisdiction to kidnap me. 
You have no authority over me. My property is not registered to the state, so therefore your boss has no authority over my property. So we could do this all night. Call your supervisor if you're too stupid to understand, and then if they don't understand, call your, call your attorneys. At least they can explain to you your options before you go and act outside of your authority. Or in the very least, bring me before a magistrate right now. Go wake him up. Right. They're supposed to be available seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Yep. I've done that, too. <laughs> uh, you know, when you're dealing with these, these you know, policy enforcers, um, they arrested me. I was a passenger in a car, and they arrested me. They were making these claims. They even put in the paperwork that I was a sovereign, sovereign citizen. They, they documented it, that claim. Uh, the, 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 the prosecutor never wanted to even see this case in a trial, ever. Yeah. Just from the questions I was asking her. But, I mean, when, you, when you've got a blatant claim like that, you're basically calling me a terrorist. I'm going to call you out on the carpet, and I'm going to tear you up on the stand. I want to go to trial. <laughs> you know, they won't let me go to trial. I've tried here three times to go to trial. The day before, or the you know, at some point during the week of the trial, they always dismiss. All right. Well, we didn't want the jury to hear certain things. Oh, I bet you didn't. <laughs> I bet you didn't. And I, I'm sure you didn't want a whole courtroom full of people learning the truth. And that's okay. And, I'm, and I take that as a win. I don't even try to go for, for recourse, you know. Forgive us their trespasses so that we can forgive others, right? Or we forgive others so that we can be forgiven. Yeah, there. You know? Uh, that's, that's a good point. You know, and we got to be willing to forgive. They don't know what they're doing. They're indoctrinated as we were when we first were born and went through this system. You know, I mean, we're all starting to wake up, but, you know, I mean, how many of us still hold on to, you know, to beliefs of this system, that, you know, voting or whatever, you know, that we believe is legitimate still? You know, at one time, you know, throwing uh, virgins into the volcano was, uh, you know, was totally legit, you know? We got to sacrifice a virgin to the volcano god because, you know, his, his tummy's rumbling. <laughs> you know, and it was perfectly acceptable under you know in those societies, but that was their lack of understanding of what was actually going on, and it's no different. That's no different than what we see today. People are still sacrificing their children to the state, sending them off to war because some politicians got an issue with uh, you know some politician somewhere else. I say bring the politicians, let them fight it out in the ring, uh, pay-per-view if you want. We'll solve the national debt. We've got enough politicians, you know, with, with issues. That, that's what I said back during, I throw W and Saddam in a pit with one night. Yeah. Or drop them both out of a plane and put us all out of their misery. You know, their misery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No parachute. One parachute. They could fight over it on the way down. And it's just a, ba it's just a bag of their dirty laundry anyway. 
No, it's it's a shame, but you know, again, I mean, when you're taught something your whole life, it's very hard to to put that aside and say, oh, you know, look at it from another perspective, or or think that it's anything but the truth. You know, that's why, you know, that's why a lot of our family members look at us cross-eyed when we start talking about the stuff, or, you know, oh no, that can't be as they would never do that to us. That can never happen here. Yeah, right. Well, it's happening now. What do you got to say? Oh, well, nothing. I got to put my mask on. I can't really hear well without my mask. (laughs) Well, it's really hard. And even for some of us who think we're at least partially deprogrammed to overcome the deprogramming. I mean, to overcome the programming. programming. Sure. Well, a lot of us, too. I mean, I've been studying law for over 30 years. I've looked at all of the codes and statutes and, you know, the IRS manuals and all of this junk. And I can't say that I, you know, it was a waste of time. You know, it says, uh, who is it, Um, uh, Sun Tzu, right? Know your enemy better than, you know. You know yourself, and and in a way that's true. So studying the stuff, you know, it's I, I've studied Buddhism and I've studied uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and other religions, you know, and I make my own deci- I, I made my own decisions, you know, and and learning about stuff and being open to learning about new things, questioning your own beliefs is is the only way you're going to come to real truth. But, you know, again, with the laws of, you know, that these statutes and codes and the millions of books that, that are out there in every state and for the federal government, I can't say it was a waste of my time, but I can honestly say I don't use that stuff anymore. I don't. The only time I use it is when I'm, you know, correcting them for, for acting outside of what their beliefs are, you know, what their what, what, um their laws have put uh, shackles on them, not on me. So I, you know, sure, can I quote them their own stuff? Yeah, absolutely. But I'd rather quote, quote the scripture, you know, that uh, separates me from them 100%. And, you know, they've already accepted it as God's word. So it's much easier for me to walk in there with my Bible, you know, and, and challenge and question everything they have to say. And they'll usually, you know, uh, literally, I had a, and I've told this story before, so those of you who have heard it, bear with me, but um, I had a lawyer actually say, and it was her, I was her first case, they threw her under the bus. Um, she was my third prosecutor on a case that was o- almost two years old, and uh, over two years old. <laughs> they had a, they thrown her under the bus, but I asked her, the day I met her was two days before my trial, three days before my trial. And I asked her, I said, let's go out in the hall and, you know, let's discuss this. And she came out in the hall and I said, Look, you know, first things first, what makes you think the rules and the codes and the statutes and the constitution of the state of Montana pertain to me? She goes, that's easy. The social contract. I said, great. I need a copy, which I mean, my jaw dropped because I didn't expect her to tell the truth of what she learned in law school weeks before and probably had that same question on her final exam, you know, she said the social contract. They believe that this imaginary 
contract that doesn't exist, it's a theory at best, it's not even a good theory, is what binds us all to their rules. That was her stock question, and if she was answering for her bar exam, it would have been right. The social contract. Well, it's an imagined piece of, it's an imaginary document. It's a theory. It's a, it's a horrible social theory. Right. But they, their entire system of, of law is, is based on that. That's the foundation. That's the shaky sand, you know, the, the shifting sand that they built that entire foundation on. The entire system is built upon that premise that there's a social contract that exists between you and the government. Heck, look at Canadian law. Their constitution is funny because it actually comes out and says, you have the right to association, except when it comes to government. And it literally says that. <laughs> there you have no choice. There you have no choice. You've got to kiss the queen's ass and say, can I do it again? <laughs> But it actually says that. You have the right to associate or not associate with anybody you want except for government. There it's just commonly believed that, you know, government exists over you and you're subject to it. Here, Article, uh, what is it? Uh, Article 1, Section 10, you have the right of association. Same, same thing. Same thing. They just don't go on to say, you know, except for the government. But again, their whole premise of their whole system of why you need to obey and follow their rules is a social contract that is about as imaginary as Tinkerbell and does not exist in reality. It's an assumption, it's a presumption, and it's about as easy to collapse as a, you know, a house made out of paper cards. I heard you but tell that before, and I <laughs> That's yeah, one of the reasons I... Oh, no, I was just going to say, I heard you tell that before. That's, and I pass that on to everybody I, I know. I said uh, that, that, partic that social contract thing, that I heard you say that a few weeks ago, and it was like, that's one of the reasons I tune into your show. It's like that just makes yeah. so much sense, and it seems yeah. so simple. Well, it is, but you try getting another lawyer to, to you know, tell the truth about that, you're going to get a runaround. Well, it's your representative signed you up for these rules, right, and that's, right. just as easy to, that's just as easy to collapse. That's just as easy to collapse. Really? Get them here. I want to meet them because this person I've never met or people yeah. I've never met. So I, you know, I guess, you know, they, they, by osmosis while I was sleeping sometime, you know, they, they got me to pen a power of attorney over to them. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just simple logic and it collapses all of their, their presumed and, and assumed garbage. But again, you don't, you know, I, I don't plea because the plea is to beg. And not only that, they expect you to lie on top of that. Now they got you for perjury. Right. 
And if they wanted to, they could get you for perjury because they knew damn well that that wasn't the original charge and nor was it even close. Yeah, one one guy played played that. I heard, um, you know, he made the deal. You know, if you'll plead to this charge, you know, we'll dismiss all these other charges. And he said, fine. And so, so he got in front of the judge, and when they said, and the judge said, okay, so what do you plead to this charge? And the judge, and the guy said, not guilty. Nice. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Because you know what? No, they you say, but they're asking you. They they say that here's the stipulation, though. And then you can turn around in, in open court and say, well, they tried to entice me with lesser charges if I would lie and say that I committed this other crime that I know I didn't commit. I guess right, they only right. had they didn't have enough evidence for the other one, so they tried to give me a, a deal so that I at least get charged with something. And they expect me to commit perjury in, on this court, which is a fraud, and, uh, you know, by making this, this ridiculous deal. Let that come out in the, in, in the, in the courtroom. I, I bet you they'll have you shutting you up and, and, and uh, run you out of the court faster than they could uh, smack their gavel. Yeah. I, I haven't been in that situation, but I have had my uh the case I, I the matter that I was involved in, you know, moved to the end till till everybody till the courtroom was cleared. Empty. In fact, yeah. In one, yeah, in fact in one particular instance I actually had three of my friends in the gallery and the judge yep. asked them, um, what are you here here for? You know, like they hadn't cleared everybody out yet. And they said... These are the three said, wise men. They're here as witnesses. <laughs> exactly. That's what they said. That, yeah, we're just here to... We're just we're just observing. And the judge said, okay. You know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. You got to... Uh, and I feel a little, a little guilty that I didn't play this last one out all the way. But... Um, like they, like I say, they did kind of wear me down. I did get a couple of, I did get a couple of concessions out of the judge before I, uh, before I made my plea. But yeah, it's not. This shit's not. This shit's not easy. No, but that's why I'm saying I really do try to make the whole situation easy. If you're questioning their authority, if you're questioning right. that you know the the subject matter, right? I own what I own. It's my property, not the state. So the state can't tell me what I can or can't do with my property if I am the true owner, if I hold legal title. So, so you one do recommend. What? So that? you do recommend that you pull your shit from the public trust whether it's your house or your car or your body or your person or whatever, and Absolutely. make sure, make sure like you've done enough paperwork so you can at least say, hey, I did this, I did this, this, and this to try and let you know if you, it's in the public record, 
If you don't know, that's not notice, my fault. Notice and demand. Yes, notice and demand. Well, notice to the, to the agent is notice the principal. Notice the principal is notice the agent. This is why a lot of folks, like even now, you know, I'll keep documents in my, you know, I keep my 25-page my, uh, memorandum of law on, you know, that was written by their attorney general and a seven-page judicial notice that I had written. And, I, and, and I'll hand it to them. I'll say, read it. Don't ask me a question. Um, you know, I'll film them as I hand it to them, saying, here, you've been served. Don't ask me another question. Get your boss down here. You both need to read this before you take any action against me or my property. And you need to understand it. And if you don't, you need to call your attorney and have them explain right. it to you, the, the jeopardy that you're going to put yourself in by acting against me. Because I, you, your, your boss, your principal, does not own the property or me. I'm the true owner, or I'm the trustee. I was entrusted with this property. Therefore, I have subject matter jurisdiction. Good luck having your judge get it from me. You have to take ownership of it, or at least, of, you know, again, you need... It, in the beginning, yes, you take it and you notify them and you take your stuff out of the public. That'll be on the record. It will. Um, you know, but it's not going to, it may not necessarily show up in every police car computer when they go and, you know, come after you. Now, my plates are not registered with the state. They say private, uh, private trust. Okay, very clearly that it's not a state-owned property. Uh, it doesn't have their mark on it. Okay, their identification, their vehicle identification on it. It's mine. I have the subject matter jurisdiction. I have authority over it. I'm entrusted with it. Therefore, you know, how's that judge or that prosecutor going to get authority where they don't have it? That's how you, that's how you challenge subject matter jurisdiction. You have to be the authority over that subject matter. Private. On that note, on that note, for uh, people listening, uh, for example, um, I withdrew my voter registration um, uh, back, well, back in the '90s, I think, and um, I went down more recently, and uh, I thought I put that, I recorded that at the clerk and recorder. And either I didn't or they disappeared it. Um, what I'm getting at is when you do actions like that, uh, make sure you get uh, copies, you know, on their letterhead or with their stamp or with whatever. Yeah, and put it and keep a little, keep a little, and, it, you know, these do there's not so many documents, you know, a small file box should take care of it. But make sure you, you keep some of that paperwork in a secure location and sure. may, perhaps make copies and keep it in more than one location because uh, mm -hmm. some, sometimes a little piece of paper like that can make a big difference and don't count on them to have it for you. No, and they won't. This is why, again, you know, after the fact, after you go and you collapse those trusts and take the legal title into the private, 
um, you know, I keep this document, this document with me. Anybody who's an agent of the state that comes in a, and approaches me, I'll serve them that notice right then and there. And notice to them at that point is notice to all of them, right up to the president and back down again to the guy mopping the floor. You know, agent, you know, notice the agent is notice the principal. Notice the principal is notice the agent. It's very well accepted within their, within their system, you know. Um, because there is no principle. The principle is a fiction, and so are they. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, entrusting your stuff to Donald Duck, you know, or Mickey Mouse, you know, but that's who you've done. That's what you've done. You've entrusted it to these fictions of law. That's why when you ask a cop, what's your name? He's going to go, oh, I'm Officer Smith. No, you idiot. I didn't ask you what your title was. I asked you what your mama named you. What's your name? Your name is not Officer Smith. That's your title. That's your fiction. And I'm sorry, but I don't deal with fictions. You may as well evaporate and take off. You know, because it's they're dealing with you as a fiction. Officer Smith, Officer Jones, whatever. You know, legislator this one or representative that one. They're fictions. They're titles. State of. It's a title. It's a fiction. It's a it's a fiction of law. It's a and a fiction is a fiction. A, you ever had the cop or the agent uh, give you his actual name? Um, I have, I have, you know. But usually it's because you know they they, they expected that I would open up to them and start talking. Yep. Well, and doesn't that depose them? Well, it, it definitely takes them out of the position. Now they're acting as as a man and not as a uh, as the fiction. But they don't ago, see the difference. They're joined to that fiction, just like most people think they're right. joined to their birth name or the legal fiction when you walk into the courtroom. Go ahead, Brian. You were you were going to continue? Oh, yeah, but my daughter needs me right now so uh, i'm gonna mute out again <laughs> okay no problem no problem oh i see that okay <laughs> but yeah when they, when they go and they say oh i'm bob smith you know uh they say, you know they'll try to you know get get you man oh you know let's just talk man on man because they're trained they know this stuff it's not like they're not watching what everybody's being learning on the internet you know um, they have classes on how to deal with folks like us, except they all call us, you know, uh, sovereign citizens, and they put these weird labels on us that make us look like, you know, terrorists. But, you know, regardless of what labels they try to put on us, they're doing it to try and say, you know, to, to catch you off guard. But they, they know full well that they're joined by that kind of badge. They're still wearing the uniform. They're still joined to that position and that title, that fiction. So, you know, they'll play all kinds of games. They'll play all kinds of games. Um, you know, they created the game. And it's like, you know, uh, Monopoly, you know. The house is always going to win. The bank always wins. Doesn't Monopoly, Monopoly with them giving you full disclosure, that's what their freaking strategy is, is to, to yeah, you sure. know, basically take it over. No, I, right. I was telling us, I was going to tell a story about a time I was, uh, 
I was traveling with my little my 15 year old daughter through Nebraska in a in a uh, a rental car, brand new car. Two, this is a 2013. It was a brand new car. Um, so we're we're traveling through. We're heading to Colorado to Red Rocks, <clears throat> and I have I don't know. I got an ounce of weed in the car, a bunch of cookies. I'm high as hell, and a load of you know whatever. And so we're <laughs> doing 72 in a six in a 60 zone, two lane back road highway. You know, a, a U.S. highway or a state highway or whatever. Dry days, June. You know, it's a beautiful day, and. Uh, you know, state patrol comes up and whips around. And he pulls us over, and, and my daughter, um, <laughs> she said she hadn't actually experienced too much pot until like that trip. So <clears throat> she's she's uh, going paranoid in the car because uh, the guy comes to the door, like, yeah, license registration. I said, hey, may I have your identification, sir? And he's like, whoa, he, he kind of tried to assert himself again. I said, are you refusing to identify yourself? And uh, and he says, uh, license and registration. I said, seriously, dude, are you refusing to identify yourself? If you show me yours, I'll show you mine. And that was my <laughs> mistake, right? That was actually yep. my mistake. But uh, I learned a lot in that exchange. Uh, he pulls out his, uh, his employee badge, right? And I, I should have pushed it at that point, said, well, if I show you my, uh, you know, my gold gym membership, is that going to be good? You know, are we going to be happy here and I can go on my way? Yeah, here's uh, my library card. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And so, and, that, and I had understood that, that to depose the officer is, is to get his name or whatever. So, I mean, I kind of knew that enough. You know, I know a lot more now here 2020. This is seven years ago. But uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a curious exchange. I got a ticket. You know, he just gave me a speeding ticket or whatever because it was a rental car. I just, you know, gave – eventually I gave him the jurisdiction, right? He brings me back to his car. I need to sit, sit down in the car. And my, my daughter later told me she was gab- absolutely freaked out thinking I was going to go to jail, you know. Um, but, uh, no, he sat down. And, you know, I, I sat down. I wouldn't close the window, obviously. I just kind of – I did sit down. So uh, in his car, he ran the shit. Right. I'm sure I smell like herb. I mean, of course I did. I had a loaded pistol in the in the, in the back seat. I mean, it was just like whatever. Um, I could have been a very bad situation. <clears throat> and he gave me the ticket. Um, I think when I returned back to Minnesota, I, re- I, I sent it back, you know, refused for just cause or, or was some, some kind of verbiage <laughs> I wrote on it. And never heard back, you know. I just probably won't ever travel through Nebraska again. But right, right. Um, hey, you know, I've gotten told are... that I had a, um, years and years and years ago. I had a limousine business, and I was in, I got pulled over in New Jersey, and I was literally coming. I mean, this is back in the day. This is back in the eighties, and I was not a nice person back then. Um, mm-hmm. Did lots of bad things back then. Um, <laughs> Good. But no, I get pulled over coming across the GW Bridge on I-4, and I got a guy sitting next to me. And, I mean, if, we'd have, if, if they'd have searched us, we'd have been in federal prison, and they'd have thrown away the key. Let me put it down. <laughs> now, he says to me, I said, you know, and I'm, dri- I'm driving in a Camaro, a 79 Camaro. 
and, had, and there was no spot in the front for a license plate. And in New York, it's no big deal. You could throw the plate up in the window, which is where it was. So the cop pulls me over, and I said, you know, uh, he just saw that I had New York plates. And I said, uh, so what was the reason you pulled me over for? He says, oh, give me a minute. I'll find something. Now I'm thinking we're oh. really done. We're done. Yeah. This guy's yeah. going to, you know. This guy's going to be a pain in the neck, and I'm going to have to Shaking deal with it. Shaking your Oh, my, my buddy's kicking me because he knows I'm about to get smart. <laughs> uh, no, no, I need you to tell me what it is that, you know, that I did. Why are you pulling me over? Okay? He goes, well, you don't have a license plate on the front of the car. I said, well, in New York, it's not required. He says, well, you're in New Jersey. Now he runs my plates. Uh, then he, now, now he runs my license, because back then I had no idea. <coughs> he goes, you've got a, you've got a, uh, ex, uh, a suspended license in New Jersey. I said, that's impossible. I don't live in New Jersey, nor have I ever lived in New Jersey. So how could I have a, a suspended license in New Jersey? You know? He's like, well, I can't, you know, he asked my buddy, he's like, do you have a license? He goes, no. He's like, he's like well, I'm going to have to impound the car. Now, I'm holding about $4,000 worth of, uh, of cocaine in my pants, and so is he. <laughs> this is, again, the late 80s. Freaking out. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and, and it's across state lines. We came from New York to New Jersey. Huh. So, and he lived there in New Jersey. He was from where we got pulled over, same county oh. we got pulled over. So his father lived there, and he's like... Now, so the guy's like, well, we're going to have to impound the car, and you're going to have to get a licensed driver to come pick it up, and blah, blah, blah. Now, we're on the side of the highway. I said, you can't just leave us here on the side of the highway. Uh, can you bring us to a telephone or a diner or a gas station? <laughs> and my buddy's freaking out. He's like, you've got to be kidding. We were let go. We were on the side of the road. We were out of it. And he's... <laughs> He says, uh, and now you want to go jump into the cop car and get a ride? <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, you know, these guys are trained to look in, you know, oh, you're out of state. We're going to pull you over. That's easy money. Mm-hmm. Easy money. Exactly. It really is. Piracy. They don't care. Piracy. Literally piracy. It's piracy. It is. It's road pirates. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. You know, and we live and we learn. I was young back then, not so much anymore, but I can honestly say I'm wiser than I was then. Uh, well, boy, I wish are, I knew right? now, you know, knew then what I know now, for sure. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but we live and we learn, and, you know, there's nothing to fear. These guys are, you know, again, they're they're drones. They're drones. They literally are drones. They're programmed to do certain things. They don't even know what they're pulling you over. You were speeding. Really? Can you quote me the, you know, the statute on speeding? You know? Well, oh, they, you weren't wearing a speed. They use it all the time. <laughs> What's that? They use it so much. They can... They, they use that statue so much they can quote that, but that's about it, you know. Right, right. And and they do, but most of the time they have to go to their computer to get it right. Now yeah. you've got to look at the enacting clause on the statute. Who does it pertain to? Who does it pertain to? Now, again, you can get into their rules and their laws, 
a statute needs to have an enacting, excuse me, an enacting clause. So who is it enacted on? It's not acted on a man or a woman. It's only acted on those who are licensed drivers, persons, yep. They have to come up with a, a fictional title for it, for the person that they're acting it on. And that's, uh, you know, I don't answer to those. Uh, I told you, Brian, I don't know who else I've told this to, but I um, I had a guy, again, when I pulled over as a uh, passenger. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> don't mean to cough on everybody here. It's so hot today. Take my inhaler real quick. When I got pulled over as the uh, passenger, he asked me my name. I says, it's none of your business. He says, well, where do you live? I says, right here in my body. Now, I was really pushing it on him. And finally, he's like, what's your name? I said, listen, if I give you my name, you're going to shut up and leave me alone? He goes, I said, fine. My name is Annie Adam, or Annie Adam, which means in Hebrew, I am man. <laughs> he wrote on the ticket that he said, oh, he lied. He said his name was Annie Adam, uh, you know, or Annie Adam. He spelled it uh, Adam is how he spelled it on the, on the ticket. And, uh, but he did not charge me with lying to the police. Because basically, I was just speaking in a language he didn't understand. But from what last I checked, God called me man, <laughs> you know. Uh, oh, the species is woman, you know. Uh, there were Adam and Hava. Those were the names that were given. That was it. That's what the creator who created the mankind, that's what the name he gave. And I absolutely can claim that name. And you don't know me from Adam, which is really where that term came from. If they don't know you, that's why they force you and try and get you to give a name. Uh, you don't have to give them anything, nothing at all. You don't have to answer any questions, nothing. You can stay silent the whole time or ask questions. If you're not going to ask questions, stay silent the whole time. No matter what they decide they're going to do, however they're going to act, if you don't know how to answer or by asking questions, even a fool is wise when they stay quiet, when they shut their mouth. Mm-hmm. And the best thing you could do is stay silent. Don't answer any questions. Don't say a word. The only thing you need to do is ask questions or stay silent. Now, to study Yeshua in front of Pontius or in front of any of the, the high priests, I mean, that that would be golden uh, knowledge for any of us. And obviously, oh, you've applied yeah. it. I mean, what you teach, that's why, I'm, that's why I've appreciated your teaching, Dave, is because I can see the Messiah in what you're talking about. I can see the Torah in what you're talking about. I can see the truth, the law, the scripture, the whole the whole gamut, you know, in what you're talking about. It's something that has to, I mean, it's, uh, again, we got to go back to the beginning, right? To find the truth, you got to find it, you know, where, where the only way to get to the truth. You, you don't want, yeah. I don't want polluted water at the base of a mountain. I want the damn spring at the top of the mountain. Exactly, exactly. And, and you have to search it out. You know, it's a hike, it's a climb, it's searching it. 
Search for the truth as if it's full, you know, as if it's pure gold. Because it is. It's worth a lot more. A lot more. Good job. Oh, man. <laughs> it really is worth a lot more, especially when you're dealing in a world of liars and thieves and, 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 and you know, murderers and, and con men. This is what you're dealing with when you're dealing with the system. That's what you're dealing yep. with. Yeah. I mean, and, and hey, I'm a, I, I consider myself a, a pretty smart guy, and I've been conned, you know, and, and, you know, phone cons, things like that, years and years ago. But, you know, people feel very embarrassed by that. Um, right. You know, oh, I can't believe I was taken advantage of. This person was such a good liar. Well, you know, now think about what these politicians do for a living. They are professional liars. They're good at it. They're better at you at it than, than you'll ever be at it. And hopefully you're not a liar because it's the truth that you find and you, and you use that will set you free from their BS. It's going to expose them every time. That's why you ask questions. Let them answer them and expose themselves. I never expected that, that lawyer to say, oh, well, it's the social contract. <laughs> I, I about lost it. I'm like, you, know, you were the, the first yeah. honest attorney I've ever met. And you're fresh out of law school. High five. <laughs> yeah. Kudos for being telling the truth. You know, I, I, I don't even think she's still in the prosecutor's office at this point. I really don't. I think she quit. Oh. Oh, and yeah. I think it was right after, I think it was right after my case with her. Her very first case, she finds out that one of the answers on the bar exam is an absolute straight-up lie. Yep. Because she right, literally right dismissed my case. I don't need a license to practice law. <laughs> <laughs> well, I asked her for her license. I asked her, does, does you have a license to practice law in the state of Montana? She says, of course. Sure. I said, great, I need a copy. I need a copy for, for the record. And then she thought about that for a few seconds and said, well, I've got a bar card. And no, 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 that's a gym membership. I said, you said you had a license. Do you have a license or not? She says, well, I've got a, a letter from the attorney general of the state. I said, that's really nice. He must really like you. I said, but that's not a license. Where's the license? I said, we'll get to that later. And we moved on. But, I mean, all these, just these Something that she's going to hear in every case that she sees in the prosecutor's office, and and she, you know, right off the bat, found out that she was lied to. He spent the fortune yeah, you were, you were a, to be lied to. You were to. a godsend to her, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. I really hope she's now, at least if anything, maybe, uh, you know, maybe she's an ambulance chaser or something more legitimate than uh, the prosecutor's office. At least there's an actual victim in a, in a, in a, in a you know, in a, in a you know, personal injury claim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but you have to be a liar. You have to be a liar to work in the, you know, in the public uh, office like that, a public defender. You know, it's so funny. They go, oh, you know, we'll provide you with a public defender. Well, I'm not the public, so he's not defending me. Who's he? Pu- who, you know, who's this public that he's going to be defending? Those guys. Court. Oh, wow. Yep. Yep. He's a public defender. He defends the public. He's not defending you, the private person, or the individual. He's protecting his system. Right. 
He's going to get you to please, lie, and perjure yourself on the on the stand. Get you to cut to something you never did, just so you can get a cheaper fee. It's either Black's Law ten or, or 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 Black's Law six, where if you look up public, uh, public, the, I believe the first definition is government. You know, governance, so, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Take that government so defender. You, you add that to defender. Yeah, you add that to defender, and you've got the, the government defender. He's defending the government, the system. And they will nine times out of ten get a plea. Nine times out of ten, at least. They'll get you to lie. They'll get you to commit perjury. They'll get you to. <laughs> they'll get you to confess to something that you didn't do because you're going to save a dollar or two. When if you know when if they really had a case, why not bring the case to a trial so that you can prove it? Force them to prove their case. I force them to prove their jurisdiction. That's really where I stay. You know, until you can prove that you have uh, authority over me, then then we're going to be here for a good long time, and I'll be asking lots of questions. <laughs> Turn this arraignment into an all-day thing. You know. <laughs> or you can yeah, just say, "Case dismissed," and let me go. I'm happy. I call that a win. I'll, I'll forgive the waste right. of my time. Hmm. You know, forgive those because I spent I spent years on lawsuits. You know, stacks of documents for lawsuits, and what a waste of my time that was. I could have been out fishing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen. Because by the yeah, time I get into a court. Yeah, yeah, you know what? There's so much, you know, and I am able to forgive and forget it and then move on and go fishing and go, you know, go hunting or go play with my dog or see my grandkids or whatever. But I don't, I'm not spending any more time fighting these lawsuits. And I get people all the time that call me, hey, I got this issue, I got that issue. Yep, I can sure show you how to do it, but is it really worth the time that you're going to put into it? Is it really worth because you know because because and you know and if it was legitimate and I was you know if their system was legitimate I'd go yeah no problem let's do this you have a case and you do have a case most of the time these folks do have a case they have been wronged by the system by the government by these agents of the government but if they're dealing with crooked agents of the government in the beginning. What makes you think that the judge is going to be any different? In the long run, you're dealing with their judge, who they see every day, who they make a lot of money for. (laughs) 98% of the people that go into the courtroom pay. I'd rather be the 2% that gets kicked out because I know too much and, and then just be on my way. I'm not going to go back and piss in their pond trying to get you know, FRNs, <laughs> you know, promises from the same criminals that they'll never keep. What's the point? What's the point? It really comes down to a waste of time. When I was a private investigator, I'd get people, especially, you know, I'd get people that go, oh, I think that my husband or my boyfriend is cheating on me or my wife is cheating on me, you know. Um, you know, and I'd ask them, I said, do you have children? You know, and if they said no, I'd be like, well, you know, let me ask you, you know, is there any trust left in your relationship where you can discuss it, work out, you know, communicate your, your, you know, your concerns, 
and, and come to some sort of re- resolution. Because you're going to pay me $500 an hour to follow them around to find out and confirm what you probably already know. It's a waste of your time and it's a waste of your money. Either, you know, and, and, and if I find out that, you know, that they're cheating, how is that going to help you? You have no children? Now, if you have children, maybe, you know. You got an issue with divorce, maybe I'd do it. But most of those jobs I would turn away. And it's good money I was turning away. But I didn't feel right doing it because what am I doing this for? Logically, I mean, it's just them needing to, to get confirmation in their mind. Because they're too afraid to come out and ask or have a straight-up conversation, which happens in marriages all the time. You know, the trust breaks down, the relationship breaks down. And and if you don't think you can get that back by communicating, you know, me going and finding them in a hotel somewhere and taking a couple pictures is not going to, you know, do anything. I say take the 1500 or two grand that you're going to pay me and go on a vacation and meet someone new. You know? Cut your losses and go have fun. It's the same thing with court. I mean, a lot of these times, if you're dealing... You know, I mean, if I, I could have saved a year and a half of this guy's time fighting probate in the, in, in the house, if I knew that they were just going to steal it anyway, and that we'd have no recourse even in the federal court because the judges played golf together, poker night on, uh, on Fridays, you know, where are you going, where are you trying to get your, your remedy from the same people that are, that are, that are causing the pain? You know, it's a tough thing to do because it really does cause you to have to look in and go, you know what, I'm just going to forgive them and forget the whole thing and just move on with my life. And some people just won't let go. Oh, I had to sit in jail for 48 hours or a week or whatever, you know, a month. You get out, you know, and and you get out and you go, oh, you know what, now I'm going to go after them. They're not going to become righteous overnight and go, you know what, we were wrong. Here, we're going to pay you a million dollars because, uh, you know, we're going to give you a million FRNs, a million, uh, un, you know, a million pieces of paper that, that, that are IOUs that we're never going to uh, uh, pay anyway. We're never going to come good on our promises. You know, we did wrong by you. We put you in a cage. And uh, we're going to confess that and, you know, please don't hold that against us. Here's some, you know, here's a remedy. You're not going to get that from corruption. It just doesn't happen. You know, justice, they say, is blind. Well, in this country, it's blind, deaf, dumb, and straight-up stupid because you're not going to find it here. Very rare that you'll find it here anyway. Now, with private parties, you can find it, no problem, because usually it's nothing more than a little communication and a coming to the mind, you know, meeting of the minds. Uh, Managing your own affairs in the private, yes, you can do that and shut the public out. But trying to get a remedy, trying to get them to confess to being corrupt? (laughs) There was a case in New York at the same time I was doing this um, and this was in Suffolk County, New York, out on Long Island. Um, they were having a uh, in the federal court. They were we were trying to sue, you know, the state court and the judge 
um, for that same case. And during that same time, there were like two or three politicians that were all being charged with corruption, and they were fighting it out in the federal court. And they all, I'm pretty sure all three got out, got away from the whole thing, still in office today. Um, but the cases actually made it to the federal court. They, you know, <laughs> went through a uh, went through a grand jury, you know, proceeding, and actually took the case into the court. I don't know if any of them ever actually got char- uh, convicted or had any repercussions from it. But, yeah, I mean, and it happens all the time. Uh, well, in New York, I know, you know, it's a big enough area. So a couple of, you know, two, three politicians get busted with their, with their hand in the till. The only way they're going to jail is if it's other politicians that are pushing, you know, not the people themselves. You know, so, but anyway, uh, we got about, oh, 20, 25 minutes left. Uh, are there any other topics that anybody would like to discuss? Turn it into a decent show for, uh, you know, grab bag. <laughs> Covered a lot of topics today. David, I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts now with, with my dealings with the county um, again, with the letterhead coming as Marshall County, uh, but then, you know, I find the corporate end of it, and it's the County of Marshall, and then I find in statute, uh, Minnesota statute, where it states any lawsuit needs to come on to a county, needs to come under the County of, you know, Marshall. They leave a blank line, um, so, I mean, is that basically saying that there's the organic county, the landmass that they, the, the, the original state created, and then they have this corporate subdivision of it that is in one, commerce and food and yeah. sue? Yeah, one is, one is the corporation, the other is the public trust. So one is okay. your equity jurisdiction, and the other is your commercial jurisdiction under UCC. Okay. One but is the as, trust, and the trust can be collapsed for a lack of. The other, the corporate, you know, they're playing in the UCC. They're playing in, in the law merchants. So, you know, again, you're, you're talking commercial remedy. So if it is the corporate, then using the bond, the birth certificate to, to deal with charges the way Robert has, um, you know, that's why it works for him because he's dealing in the corporate side. You know, on the equity side, on the, the, on the trust side, where there's oaths and things like that, and you're on the equity side, there's a breach of trust or, uh, you know, uh, a breach of trust for fraud. Okay. So what are they saying, that you have to use the corporate, or are they saying that you have to use the trust? Well, they, they aren't saying either one. You know, it's, it's like I get the notices from the county, or from Marshall County, but then I see this other entity there. And, you know, as far as my research goes, the, you, they shouldn't be able to tax a, a, a man or a woman on their property unless they're contracted somehow. 
which would then bring it under the county of Marshall and not Marshall County. Okay. So county of Marshall is the trust. No, that that's the corporate. That's the corporate. That's the corporate. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So then the taxing authority is Marshall County, right? Uh, well, that's what the letterhead comes under, but then... Uh, again, I don't in, well, in it my reading because that's the trust. That's the public trust that's being you know managed by those public trustees. Taxes are the payment that you pay to have your affairs managed by the public. That's how they're getting paid, right? Through taxes. Okay. Those are the fees that they charge to manage your property in the public. When you take but, it out of that, that's why you don't have to pay them anymore to manage your affairs. So okay. where's the, what's the other what the other the corporate side? Where is that coming from now? Is that the court or is that the you know mo mostly from uh, the Dun and Bradstreet uh, report that I got, um, which, okay. which you know there that that address it's it's the it's the county courthouse. It's where the where Marshall County is. It's you know so I mean they're blended in together. Sure. Well, you, you're going to have both jurisdictions in the same court. That's, you know, equity and law within the same venue. Uh, again, or I should say equity and legal in the same venue, um, because you're dealing with the corporate side and the trust side, and it's dependent on, what, you know, who you're going to call out. Who's the actual party that you're going to call out? Now, if they're accepting... FRNs and it's a commercial transaction and it's something like that. Well, once the you know, I mean, uh, Clearfield Trust Option says that you know, once a con once a uh, municipality or uh, you know a state uh, starts dealing in commerce, then they're no different than a regular corporation, and they have to abide to you know UCC and regular corporate rules. You know, um, they're no different than a you know J.C. Penney. Yeah. Really? Under Clearfield Trust. So, you know, under the trust itself, though, if you are, you know, if you're actually dealing with the public trust, the county recorder's office um, where you recorded your properties and they're collecting taxes. Um, and again, this is where you would have, excuse me, have to challenge that, um, that when it was initially filed, um, that it was filed wrong that it was filed okay. wrong. It wasn't supposed to be recorded. I mean, it wasn't supposed to be registered. It was supposed to be recorded. The deed was supposed to be recorded as yours, right? As, yep. as private property, not real estate. And they have it listed as real estate. Yeah. Which is it's basically that, that, a piece of property that's managed by them in trust, just like your car at the DMV. Yeah, but it, it they but they blend it all so much. Of course, of course. Well, you know, in order to you know, in order to continue doing what they do, they've got to operate on both ends of the spectrum, right? There's certain things that they can't do under the trust without being called out as a breach of trust or fraud. But they'll do it no problem as a corporation with limited liability. Yeah. 
they're running as you know the the the, the overall government is is being run as a you know as a corporation and with limited liability but in fact the underlying uh institution is a trust a public trust and they're public servants or public trustees but a public trustee acts in his own name not in a fiction name as a man or a woman a trustee is a man or a woman or another entity and I guess it can be in that way but again at some point there's got to be a man or a woman behind it that has you know responsibility a fiduciary and a, and a lawful responsibility to the beneficiary yeah you know in, in the corporate side a corporation could be abandoned. Nobody's nobody's left holding the bag, right? They all abandoned ship. Well, it's like what was it the the fires in California or wherever it was, where they they found the corporation guilty of murder, and you know no, there's no no penalty to a man or a woman. It's like right. really, no. No penalty because the corporation is, uh, you know, abandoned. There's nobody, command, you know, nobody standing that post. Yeah. Nobody's going to take responsibility. Nope. We just close the corporation down, hang a new shingle somewhere else under another name. Setting up companies for, for you know, 20 plus years, you know, it happens all the time, all the time. There's companies out there that all they do all day is set up corporations. They got a hundred people there setting up companies all day long, just shells waiting to be used for some purpose like that. Yeah. You know, it's it's aging, right? So you're not looking like a brand new company out of the gate. Oh, we got a five year old shelf company. Just been sitting here on the shelf collecting dust, waiting for you to come along and, you know, and buy it. You know, a lot of the people that do that, you know, have defunct companies, you know, or, or I should say abandoned ships floating all around the ocean. Nobody taking yeah. responsibility for them anymore. Why not? They're only employees. They don't own it. There is no owner. They're stockholders, maybe. But everybody is considered an employee. The principle is a fiction. And that's the you know, same way I, government does. I, I, I dated a girl many years ago, and she was a, a compliance officer at a bank uh, in my area, you know, low-populated area. But they, I, I believe they had about seven branches of banks. And uh, the CEO of the bank, I, I, I always hated that guy. And I told her, it's like, he's, he's a piece of dirt. But he was he he was basically a politician, you know. He he'd come across with this big smile and say what you want to hear, and and all that stuff. And I kept telling her that, and that, that actually caused some problems between us, um, because I just, you know, my my radar was going off. And uh, now he is, uh, I think, for about a year, he uh, he he was fired from the bank. And he's spending, I think, three years in prison for basically a Ponzi scheme, sell fake properties to bring in money and do all this through the bank, 
And now the bank, it used to be called Border State Bank. Now it's called Border Bank because they changed it, which goes back to what you were just saying about changing corporate names sure. and everything. Sure. Oh, they'll yeah. do it to cover up all the time, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a company. We we had a couple. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, my last business, I had partners. Um, we met at a company in Las Vegas, and we went and we started our own because they were just frauds, straight up. And we did take some clients that we thought we could help, and we did. You know, we got them money, and they paid money to this these other uh, this other business, and they were just basically tossed in the in the round file. So we had we had taken some of those clients and actually got them funded. And um, the owner of that company came back and tried to sue our company. And I went to court. <laughs> and they, they said, well, you have to have a lawyer represent the company because you can't represent the company. I said, that's great. I quit. <laughs> and I turned to my partner and I said, they, they, they just quit too. Abandoned ship. You have, you have fun trying to prosecute this one. And we walked out. And we went and we moved uh, the company to, uh, to Wyoming. <laughs> Set up a company in, in Wyoming, totally different company. We did the same isn't exact thing. That isn't that basically how the immunity for cops and stuff also works? I mean, all you know, of, as a all of yeah. limited liability. Yeah, yeah limit, they're employees. Now, the employer can be sued for negligent retention of an employee who did something wrong, and that happens quite often. But, you know, again, you know, you've got to go after the employer, not the employee. You've got to go after the employee on a tort claim if they've harmed you. And this is why I say you don't go after them in the public capacity. You go after the man or the woman because their actions is what caused your harm. And, and that's and a then court case. There's, a, there's an actual that victim. Would, that would typically be them acting outside of their either scope of work or authority. Correct. Ultraverse. Color of yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, okay. under color of law. Absolutely. Okay. And they're always acting under color of law. They have no authority over you to begin with. All state laws are colorable. All federal, every law of man is colorable. Because, one, it's arbitrary to begin with. It's, you know, um, you know. well, I decreed it, you know, so let it be written, so let it be done. Well, who are you? Well, I'm the guy that took over this office. Well, nice, you know, nice office. I guess you got, you know, maybe a few employees you've got authority over, but who do you think you are to me? <laughs> They're always trying yeah. to play God over you. They're always yep. trying to play God over you. They're trying to replace God in your life. They're trying to replace your creator and, and his authority over your life or even your own authority because author that authority was given to you by God. He wants you to have free will, right? That's your own authority. You act into your free will. You know, and that, and that was exactly what the my county treasurer did when I went in and met with him, you know, last Monday, um, you know, all of a sudden it was, he was trying to order me around and, you know, <laughs> whether it was coincidence or whatever, having the sheriff in there, which normally the sheriff is, you know, I've known him for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's always, Hey Chad, how's it going? You know? And this time I said, Hey Jason, 
And, you know, he just kind of looks at me and nods with a stern face. And it was like, okay, hey, you know, I, I see where I'm at here. <laughs> yeah, you knew exactly where you were in the lion's done. Did you end up serving them, by the way? No, I, I haven't. Um, I, I'm, I, I was going, going to write something up this weekend, and I was a few things popped into my head, like, okay, you know, made me wonder certain things. Um, so I'm... I'm at a campground now for work for the week, and I'm, I'm going to have some evenings where I can sit and think about it and start on my sure. computer with what I want to do. I'm just not sure how I want to go well, about it same, yet. That same 25-page memorandum on, on religious liberty um, applies to your property. Yeah. And, because, and there was a guest. I don't know if you were listening to the show at the time, but I had a guest on. He was from Canada, and he did this with uh, – um, you know, he went in uh, right when they were coming to, you know, sell the property on the lawn of this woman. And, you know, he went in and talked to them and said, hey, this is now, you know, she's a believer now. And, and uh, you know, this property is now church property, being that she's a church. And, uh, you know, you have to make accommodation. And they did. Yeah. And they did. Because it is against your religion to have to pay to support wars. Uh, you know, or against your beliefs to support wars and 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 uh, you know uh, you know ch- child trafficking and and human trafficking, which is all they're doing with the courts and and the uh, prisons and and the CPS and uh, all these other things that they do that are reprehensible to the common thought, you know, the the logical thought, um, you know, but they're doing them. Well, you can't expect me to to support that with my my labor and you know my substance to support something that I'm absolutely forbidden from doing. Yeah, and you need to accommodate and I, me. And I did serve that, you know, on on the county treasurer when I went in. Um, Good. And I mean, he he did not want it without even reading it, you know. Of course, <laughs> I bet he didn't. Yeah, I just said it was like, well, it's yours. You've been served. Yeah. Yep. I know you, and I can I can honestly say I I served you personally. Yep. Yep. So, and so yeah, I'm going to do, do so. Yeah, I'm going to do a little bit more thinking here over the next couple of nights, and then start writing. Then when I get home for the weekend, I'll I'll probably you know do what I'm going to do, whatever it may be. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, you got my email and you got my number, so you need right, help sort you. yourself. Let me know. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we're getting down to the last 10 minutes. Uh, I'd be remiss not to mention the website, which is bulletproofsolutions.org. Uh, you can reach me there or you can reach me at uh, my email, which is a, letter A, freemaninbabylon at gmail.com, A-F-R-E-E. M-A-N-I-N-B-A-B-Y-L-O-N uh, at gmail.com. Uh, if you've got questions or, you know, things you'd like to discuss, um, maybe not on the show or wanted to be private, that's fine as well. Um, you can reach out that way. Um, got a couple of minutes. I'm willing to entertain one more topic if, uh, if anybody's got something they'd really like to talk about. Anybody? No. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. I mean, I like I said, I apologize for not uh, preparing a, 
uh, topic today, but uh, I had an unfortunate accident with my new phone this morning and uh, shattered the the, uh, the whole face of my two-week-old phone. Um, <laughs> not a fun morning, but <clears throat> hopefully I can fix it this coming week and be back on track here for uh, next Sunday. I do appreciate everybody that did, did call in, and, and uh, we actually got to do the, the full show and covered a bunch of topics, and I do appreciate that. Your guys' participation actually does make the show um, a lot better, for sure. And uh, a lot of the folks that, that you know listen to the recordings get a lot out of those questions and topics that you guys bring up, uh, because I do get uh, a lot of emails that, that say so. so I do, uh, I do appreciate you guys coming on the show and participating. Uh, anybody that does listen in, they're always welcome. I usually post the, uh, the login of the phone number and the access code to the show. It's always Sunday, Mountain Time, 5 o'clock uh, to 8 o'clock. Uh, if you have, <coughs> me, if you have uh, some legal experience that you would like to uh, share with my guests, um, reach out either on the site. There's a section in the podcast section where you can sign on, uh, sign up to be a guest. Uh, we'll discuss, you know, the topic that you want to discuss as a guest on the show, and uh, we can get you on. Um, again, I do appreciate uh, listeners and, and anybody who always comes on and, and participates in the, in the topics and the, the conversation that we have, and it's definitely uh, helping others because I do get those emails and, you know, an appreciation from, from folks out there that, that do mention you guys all the time. So thanks again for uh, joining me uh, this Sunday. And uh, again, this is How to Win in Court Without a Liar. I'm Dave Hollis, and you guys have a fantastic night. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for joining me. Thank you, David. You're welcome. Have a great night, guys. Yeah, shalom, Dave. Bye. Good night. Shalom. Take care. Thank you.